This is RHACE, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. Radio stations have birthdays like everybody else. And today we are celebrating ours, the 40th anniversary of broadcasting, entertainment, news, sports, and information to the people of the Pacific Coast from San Francisco. It was in 1922 that KNBC, then known as KPL, began program service. Many famous entertainers and many historic events were beamed out over the airways during our 40 years of broadcasting. In 1951, when the NBC radio network was celebrating its 25th anniversary, the then-popular comedy team of Fibber, McGee, and Molly did a special broadcast that eavesdropped on some of the great shows of radio. Since then, Molly Jordan has passed on, and Fibber is living in retirement in Encino, California. Twelve years have slipped by since Fibber, McGee, and Molly's 25th anniversary salute to NBC, and that broadcast is in itself a collector's item. Tonight is one of the highlights of KNBC's 40th anniversary celebration, we will revive that famous broadcast of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, during which you will hear the voices of Joe Penner, Fred Allen, Ben Burney, W.C. Fields, Edgar Bergen, and Charlie McCarthy, and many, many other favorites from out of the past, starring Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Our Silver Jubilee, the 25th birthday of the National Broadcasting Company. Like any birthday, the birthday of NBC is a time for reflection and recollection. Were you listening to Ed Wynn at 9.30 on a Tuesday night in 1932? At 7 o'clock on a Wednesday evening in 1929, were you listening to Amos and Andy? Or were you listening to Rudy Valley's Great Variety Show at 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening in 1934? Ah, oh, these were great moments in the history of NBC, and ordinarily it would be impossible to relive them. But we are fortunate in having had with us for the past 20 years... A man to whom nothing is impossible. I refer, of course, to the resident of 79 Wistful Vista, Molly's husband, Fibber McGee. As we look in on the McGee's, Fibber is tinkering with his old 1926 super heterodyne radio set. He is, in fact, known as the biggest tinker in radio. Mrs. McGee makes a fairly safe statement. She says... It'll never work, McGee. What do you mean, it'll never work? My gosh, Molly. Let me get this straight again. Huh? You claim that you can fix this radio set so it'll tune in programs <laughs> that were broadcast 20 years ago? 25 years ago, even. I'm rewiring it so I can tune it to different years instead of different stations, you see? No, I don't. Well, look, Tootsie. According to the McGee theory of radio dianetics, which I'm the guy that thought it up, I claim that when you hear a broadcast once, that ain't necessarily the end of it, you see? It don't just disappear. In other words, old radio programs never die. I know one that dies every Tuesday night. Well, that ain't what I mean. I mean that they're still out there, bouncing around in the air, waiting for somebody to tune them in again. And I'm the guy that can do it. What's our congressman's phone number? Why? Well, if there isn't a law against that, I'll help him write one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you change your mind when I get this baby working, Molly. We can make a few more adjustments here. Get the king bolt tightened up a little bit. I'll be ready to try it. And... You want to buy a duck? No, I'm not interested in any poultry, bud. I'm trying to... Hey, who said that? Why, I don't know, McGee. There's nobody here but us. I'm going to turn off the radio, will you, Molly, while I work on this? Radio. Hey, the radio. It's working. You hear it, Molly? It works. Hush, listen. 
My goodness, it sounds like New Year's Eve, McGee. I wonder where that... Boy, oh boy, I told you I could make it work and... You know, McGee, that, that's Joe Penner. Why, he used to be one Listen, of... Listen, Elsa, remember him? Ben Burney? Oh, yes. I used to love him. Mark of time. Everybody wants to get into the act. My God. Tony Wan. <laughs> oh, McGee, that's Jimmy Durante. Oh, yeah, Jerry Durante. Boy, this is wonderful. Gee whiz, I can tune in any program I want. Hush a minute, hush. Let's listen to this one first. What year and hour are we listening to? I can't tell yet. The dates are all scrambled up on the dial here, but I can fix that. And my name, darling, is Lula Bankhead. You hear that? I got Congress, Senator Bankhead. No, no, that's... Got a deep voice on him, hasn't he? No, McGee, that was... My goodness, this is exciting, McGee. Can you tune in just any program you want to hear? Anything back to 1926. That's when the first big network started. NBC in 1926. Oh? That's when we bought this old super heterodyne, remember? Oh, do I remember. Yeah. You lugged this thing home, strung about 200 feet of aerial around the roof, plugged it in, turned it on, and blew out fuses that we... And here she is. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. Happy Saturday. How can it be Saturday again already? It's almost Christmas. Almost. Almost, <laughs> you know? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm, I, uh, been working on a project, 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 so I spent half the day working on a TV project, the other half the day doing football, and, what? Playing know. football, did you say? Football! Nebraska played today, so... Oh, I... oh, 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 I, I, gee whiz. That <laughs> <laughs> went right by me. <laughs> so the... Oh, dear, it's going to be a whoosh night. Yeah, huh so the bracket played, so the family watched, so we were all glued to, at the happy family to that. And then, I, uh, I will concede an S word. <laughs> what, what was the score? Who won? Uh, well, of course, the Packers did, Nebraska. We uh, snuck out 17-3. We played South Dakota State, which is a really, really small school. But, hey, that's okay. A win, a win, a win, a win. So, that's what we did, and, uh, came in here, got the radio station going, took a bath, and then took a little bit of a cat nap, and I'm with you. So, that's what my day been like so far. In that order, no less. Mm-hmm. In that order. I mean, you're not in the bathtub right now, no, so. No, but I'm clean. I'm clean. <laughs> you're all sparkly. I can, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I can true. hear the sparkle. When anybody calls, then they won't smell. <laughs> We're deteriorating already. It took that's, us about four hours to do true. that last week. Oh, that's true. But anyway. Jump start. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, tomorrow I'm off to Frank Brzee's place for one last time to help help him out on uh, his house project. And so this will be the end then? This will be the end. He will be all stored and moved and everything that has to yep. get out of the house. Out of the house. And then I just got to figure out what to do with the stuff. That's your job. Yeah, that's my job. Yeah. 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 So. Stuff, though. You know. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, what, a, what a utilitarian word stuff is. Stuff. It's every situation. Where does stuff come from? Uh-huh. Where does it come from? Yeah. Oh, I looked it up one night. It's um, a, it's got a French 
root, a derivative that meant a collection of things, stuff, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was very appropriate. Apropos. And that too. <laughs> apropos to our conversation. You think apropos, you think apropos French? Yes, that's French also. Oh. We have borrowed all of our words from other countries. We do not have an American language. We have a collection of words that so form what? the English language, so which is different from England's English language. We use words differently. So where did hey you come from? Hey, <laughs> I think Casey Stengel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know I, I sit here and I feel so prepared for the night, and then you... You ask a question that makes me go, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I love Patricia when she said, what? It, it, what? It, it's wonderful. Well, <laughs> I have a quote to start the night. I should do this every week because I have a squillion quotes that I just love, and I, I squirrel them away in there on the computer. So I pulled one from comedian Sam Levinson. Hmm. Sam was one of the fun people who had clean humor. He started out, perhaps you knew this already, he was a school teacher and principal before he turned to comedy. I did not know that. Um, he was, as far as I'm concerned, anybody who's involved in the school system is in a comedic situation to begin with, but he just took, and that's why so much of his uh, material revolved around kids and family and so, but he was an absolute gentleman and a very funny person, and he dropped enough one-liners to fill up a computer. So this is it for tonight from Sam Levinson. This is a quote. Somewhere on this globe, every 10 seconds, there's a woman giving birth to a child. She must be found and stopped. Oh, yes. That's a famous I, line. I, I love that. That's that a is a good one. I know I told you that one during no, the week. No, no, that no, no. No, you haven't told and, me that uh, one. Nobody will be safe from now on because I will put one at the beginning of every show. You can give us a call and change the topic if you like or not. You know, we're open. 714-545-2071. We're sneaking into October next week, everybody. Can you believe that? No, I, I don't want to talk about that. October. 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 Yeah. Actually, anyone who calls can set the conversation because we, or the, the topic, because we really haven't had one yet. I have one, but we haven't had it yet. <laughs> October, uh, it, you know, we're getting, when when do the clocks change again? Um, I don't know, sometime in the I'm fall. Dates and times on me. Yeah, sometime in the fall. I think November that was, maybe. That's good. I think November the 7th. That's late. I know. Well, I think we're on that eight-month cycle, eight-month, four-month now. Uh-huh. You know, so. Yeah. Well, it's about a week later. It's, it's usually around Halloween because you know, the kids are either, you know, just skirting around the uh, the change, which puts them in the dark, mm -hmm. or they're in the dark. They're in the dark. Doing trick-or-treating. Uh-huh. I have some good news. Tell me. I heard back from... Johnny Western. Oh. And he would love to be our guest, and I'm going to call him next week and come up with a date and time that's good for him. I told him it's Saturday nights, and that's fine, and he said it should be fun. 
Johnny Western is uh, for anybody who has never heard the Ballad of Paladin as the opening theme of the television show Have Gun Will Travel. Go to YouTube and just put in Ballad of Paladin or Johnny Western and listen to this man's voice. Now, this was a snippet of his life. It happens to be one of the more visible, but he wrote this and performed it while he was uh, doing some acting with Have Gun Will Travel on TV. But most or much of his time, many years, uh, he spent with Gene Autry. And he knew and worked with many of the names we know but have never been able to reach out and touch, or very few of them we've been able to reach out and touch. So I'm really excited about, um, about having him as a guest. While you're up on YouTube, uh, there is a three-part presentation. They're at the 18th Annual Music and Film Festival honoring Gene Autry and several people who performed with him or who have um, been in, um, as he calls it, true Western music, um, the Sons of the Pioneer type stuff, from whom he also worked with. Uh, check out that interview. Actually, it's a presentation. People are just talking about Gene Autry, and uh, you'll get a good snapshot of who this person is. So I'm, I'm really excited that we'll be able to talk with him. I think it'll be fun. That's good. I know... Um... FOTR invited him to come to the Old Time Radio Convention a few years ago to do a Western. Uh-huh. I don't think he, his schedule couldn't allow it to make, so that was the first time I heard of the name. But when you uh-huh. sent me the file this morning, you know, Patricia and I were up. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night. It was this morning. It was this morning, but oh. it was past 5 o'clock for Patricia. It was about 6 o'clock for me, yeah. so that meant it was about 3 o'clock for, for you. you. Yeah, and so we were changing files, and... And uh, hey, that was good. How did he? How did he decide to come across Johnny Weston? Well, it was one of those um, domino type things. Our friend Harwood, who calls in periodically, asked if I could find the Paladin theme song right. from the radio show with I John Daner. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, well, if anybody can do this, it's Bob Bro, one of our DJs. And if you go to the schedule at yesterdayusa.com, you'll find Bob's show in there. Um, so back he came, and he gave not only had the radio theme song, which is a wonderful guitar uh, music theme, he gave me the beginning of the show, you know, the lead-in that, that typically happens with that show. And he said, and I thought you'd like this one, too. And it was the television theme song um, of, of Paladin. Paladin, Paladin, where do you roam? Paladin, Paladin, so far from home. And um, I thought, wow, this is just great. This is just terrific. And, I, you know, when I need a lift, I'll listen to it because it's such a fun tune. It's a fun song. It's just so well done, and his voice is like, you know, you clunk the side of a, a crystal wine glass, and, and his voice is that clear. So I was listening to it during the week, and I thought, you know, we do this. We appreciate and enjoy so many things and have so little opportunity to say thank you to many of these people. So I sent him, I, I tracked down, and you know, he, would, he, um, he is in a couple of halls of fame, and I sent an email 
to them, asking them to, you know, back and forth. So, and they sent, they forwarded my email to him, and um, I said thank you. And you know, it was really a wonderful song. He's got several albums out. Uh, he sings Johnny Yuma, which is another one people might recognize. And um, so when I replied, to, I sent a note. He replied, and I, I sent back and asked, "Would you?" consider being our guest and he said yes we can do that in the internet something well, else i know so you know it was one of these that started out hard uh-huh. thank you so much uh-huh. <laughs> because you actually started this uh-huh. and um you know as i say it was just one of those things that dominoed harwood asked bob bro had he sent me another one as an ear gift and i said thank you and um we got a guest here we are with a wonderful guest so I'll know uh, during the week when he'll be able to schedule some time with us. So it'll be fun. That'd be terrific. Yeah, it's got lots of good Gene Autry stories. Oh, yeah. Well, Gene would have been 103 the coming week, September the 29th. Really? Yep. Oh, my. Yep. And I met Gene back in 1977, so a long time ago. Long time ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, he has... Um, Johnny Western. Now, doesn't that sound like a stage name? Uh-huh. It sure does. I don't think it is. That's his real name. Wow. And, I mean, you talk about being born with the correct name for what you want to do for a living. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, that's kind of fun, too. But he spent a good number of years as a Western music DJ. Uh, and well, I can everything. T- what, yeah, well, with the voice, I can tell why, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, you know he's uh, he's acted on television and in movies, uh, performed with Sons of the Pioneer, um, Pioneers, Gene Autry. He was with Gene Autry for a very long time. Composer um, wrote much of the music he sings, um, and of course has and had a voice that was to die for. So. Yeah. He's into a lot of stuff. Kind of uh, makes me sit in the corner and say, oh, gosh, I think I need to go do something. <laughs> <laughs> so accomplished and so professional. Well, then you make me want to sit in the corner and say, I think I need to do something. <laughs> but I don't know what. Oh, you've already done it. You just go, 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 go. Oh, you've already done it. You booked a guest and you, you prepared a show for me. I You do plenty. Plenty for me. And earn the rent. I know. I have to pay the rent. I have to pay the rent. Somebody always makes me pay the rent. Now well, we have a special thing to say tonight. You know, Artie Shaw had a great saying. What? You know how much I like listening to Artie Shaw. Oh, I know. Oh, gosh. He's so good. Yeah. Well, his favorite thing, if you can find something you like to do, and if you could do... Play three times for yourself and the other time for the rent, then you're doing good. Oh, oh my goodness. He was so full of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Truly. Mm-hmm. He, he would just have a conversation with people. And I'd be sitting here saying, wow, let me think about that for a minute. Uh-huh. He's off, you know, I'm on 42nd Street and his conversation is already on 87. I know. Uh, just keep going, going, going. And uh, except that you and others have recorded these radio interviews. You've done the Ray Bream interviews for us. We would have missed all of this. We're going to play another one tomorrow night, everybody. Oh, let me plug tomorrow night. 
Oh, plug tomorrow. Now. Plug I don't tomorrow. know what's happening. Go ahead. Yeah. Tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the Kennedy-Nixon debate. And so we're going to feature that right at the top of the show. Uh, you know, how I just so happen to know American history a little bit. And then after that, via request, because uh, last weekend with Tom and Patricia talking, we're going to go ahead and play the Leon Schwab interview he with the uh, Leon Schwab of Schwab drugstore fame the famous drugstore in Hollywood and a, a three-hour interview with great stories and people in the show business that call in it'll be a fun fun it was a great interview Ray Bream was a master at pulling together conversation and guest callers and, and just just having a wonderful time with the people he talked with. And you could tell he was having a good time, and they were too, which made the time very rich. But it, it, it was just so priceless the way he started the conversation. <laughs> and I thought, if I were Ray Breen, my heart would be in my shoes. <laughs> What do you mean you can't talk about it? <laughs> Excuse me, this is an interview show. <laughs> but he did. He started out by saying, "Oh no, I can't talk about. I can't talk about anybody." I, you know, these are good guys. <laughs> oh dear. And I think it probably took forty-seven point six seconds before he he finally launched into. I say finally, yeah. he launched into uh, his stories and insights and peeks behind the scenes it was really great that happened to richard lamparski one time richard lamparski is the gentleman who wrote whatever became of 13 volume set oh my goodness yes of different people mm-hmm. and i have an interview where he was getting get, just about ready to sit down with a a silent motion picture star uh-huh. you know came she came to the studio and said and she said just before the start of the world by the way yes I don't want to talk about my career. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what did she have in mind? So they wound up talking about politics for the 30 minutes or so. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mentioned to you one time uh-huh. that I had an opportunity and, a, and a, another one, you know, with Domino's to call somebody who knew somebody who got me to... Um, Derwood Kirby. Right. And I, I spent some time on the phone. Gosh, it must have been 15 minutes, easily 20 minutes. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking to someone cold and having a conversation and an interview, and he knew why I was calling because I was, you know, doing an article for a magazine. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is really great. He's been so super. And we got to the end and he said, but of course you can't use any of this. <laughs> so, no, and it wasn't. If I were a reporter or a reporter, might say, well, you know, you didn't say that up front, so anything that you said is fair game, but I certainly wouldn't do that. So I'm sitting here taking notes. I'm having a grand time. You know, I got my, my little papers all filled out. And said, but of course you can't use any of this. And I just went rip, rip, rip. <laughs> I just, that was the end of that. But he took me by surprise. I mean, he really blindsided me on this. You know, it wasn't like I was sneaking in the back door. He knew why I was calling. But, and he was very pleasant. He was a very nice person. Very pleasant to me. Just the oh. end. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the code of ethics 
the unwritten word, the unwritten rules to, for a journalist? For a journalist or a writer? Okay, let's do both. Let's go. Let's do a writer first. For a writer, I've. You know, there really isn't anything committed that I know of, um, you know, like the Hippocratic Oath mm -hmm. for doctors. There isn't something. I, I suppose if you dig around, there's probably something there. But um, for me, I had no problem tearing up what he said. I, I, I actually, I really did. I, I just tore it up. It was something that he asked me and, uh, to do and or told me I couldn't use, and I respected that. So I'm... I'm pretty flexible, uh, and that's my code. To be honest, upfront, this is who I am, and it, just stick to the program and not uh, pull any punches. I'll tell you when I, when we've talked with our caller. I'll tell you what one writer did one time, and <laughs> we were in the middle of a team teaching. So go ahead. Hello there, call you are with Patricia. figured it had to be you. I thought it was Nolan because he sent me <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and um, I've got, I had said a couple of minutes ago, oh, I've got something to say, and, and we wound up going off track a little bit. Happy birthday, Madam President. Well, thank you, my fellow Americans. <laughs> and how are my fellow Americans faring this lovely Saturday evening it's, on your end, Walden, it's but warm. Sunday morning for our end. It's warm. 71 degrees. It's warm. Summer. Summer has arrived in California. Goodness gracious. <laughs> gracious, I mean, that, that makes me want to put on my jeans. <laughs> 71. Uh, it's, it's very warm here, too. I mean, we've been having high 80s. Well, when it's warm. When it hits 71 degrees at night, it's warm for me. Just warm. What can I say? So uh, that's what's new. Now, uh, everybody else can just say, Warren, go hide. And I can. That's okay. Uh, go hide. I will. But in New York, when you get, and, and the entire Northeast, when we have so many of our friends and family are up there, in the Northeast, you're not prepared for heat. Here, everything is air-conditioned. Cars are air-conditioned. Buildings are air-conditioned. You cannot, you have to go out with a sweatshirt, for goodness sakes, because some of these buildings mm. are cold. And houses, every, virtually every house has a, a central air-conditioning system. But that's not the case in the north. Not every house has air-conditioning. It, it's just a hot, miserable time when it gets hot up there. Yeah, it does. And uh, today my husband turned around and he put the air on. He says, I give. He said, it's just brutal. And it has been very, very unseasonably warm up here. Yeah. Now you said something that just tweaked me. You said the air. You turned the air on. Yeah, we don't have central air. Well, that, 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 wasn't, that was an expression I had not heard until I moved to the south here. When our neighbor, the first time I met our new neighbor, um, she said, uh, in a very sweet southern accent, do you have Aya in your house? And I 
God, we have air everywhere. <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about, but it was air conditioning. Uh-huh. Just referred to, I have the air on today. But <laughs> a newcomer, I didn't know that that was the expression, and I thought, you know, we've got a next-door neighbor who's a little, you know, have <laughs> air in our house, too. <laughs> little doozy bat. <laughs> pardon? A little doozy bat. Yeah, a little ditzy, uh-huh. <laughs> so that was my introduction to the phrase, and now you just use it, and it surprised me because of what it was. Yeah. yeah, when it gets too warm, and, you know, like I had all the windows open in the back, uh, lobby doors wide open with the screen and the front door open, so air was traveling through, and then all of a sudden, the, the air outside just said, I'm tired, I'm done. So now there was no air flowing and breeze or anything. It just died. So I turned around. He says, that's it. I'm putting the air on. <laughs> he closed everything up and he threw the air conditioner on. Or as they say in the South, the A-Y-U-H. Uh, it's A A-Y-U-H. Uh. <laughs> well, I just happened to join in, so I don't know what you have been talking about. I've been clearing out... 8,800 emails of birthday wishes, and uh, I, I was my my computer was very overwhelmed. <laughs> but that's a good thing. It burped. Yes, that's a good thing. So what's new, gang? Well, um, we haven't gotten to anything new. <laughs> yeah, we 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 tonight we start the show a little later than normal, so we, we you just you just tune in at the right time when we just started to say, okay, what are we gonna do? Yeah, we only... <laughs> we haven't done anything yet. <laughs> oh, you were waiting for Madam President yes, to were. arrive. Yes. President has to um, call the meeting to order. That's yes. true. That's true. So we haven't we haven't done anything. We we just started to wander the, the, uh, the highways and byways of America. Uh-huh. Well, okay. Let's put it this way. My flag is waving. I call the meeting to order. Oh. The Health Assembly can now... <laughs> Proceed with their doings of the evening. <laughs> President, we have the gavel on this one. Yes, the gavel has been pounded. <laughs> hey. And I, what I'll do is I will wait, I will crawl into my bed, put my headphones on, and I will begin to listen for the evening. And I'm sure I will call back. I'm sure you will, because I've got new questions tonight. Ooh, and you never, ever disappoint. <laughs> Neither do you. And we've got two great fibber shows tonight. I actually had pulled four and had to decide which two. Um, fibber is running businesses, Walt's Malt Shop and Kramer's Drugstore. And he has, there are at least two other shows that I pulled where he was running additional stores so I pulled the two that I think are the most fun and I'm still laughing <laughs> so I gather that we are in for a double scoop I think a double scoop it's small small shop why not two scoops there you go two scoops well I will let you go and I will let you proceed onward with the show and I'm looking forward to being highly entertained. Oh, the heat's on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
feet on a fire. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Lucy. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> there she goes. 714-545-2071. The first February McGee and Molly show came right off the Masters. <gasps> really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, so you're going to have high fidelity quality for McGee Molly. That's your first one. And the other one, right up there, too. So we got two good sound quality for shows if we get to them. Very cool. If we don't get to them, we'll just sneak them in another time. Here's the show with no topic. Hello there, caller. Hi, hi. It's Ralph. I just turned my radio down so I won't get confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, you normally not confused anyway, Ralph. That's going to be a surprise if you are. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, I, was, uh, I wanted to tell you guys, I got the greatest gizmo. Um, it's a little FM transmitter. Oh. And it plugs into the back of my Wi-Fi radio. Uh-huh. And then it, uh, it transmits uh, onto my FM radios all over the house. How cool. Yeah, because previously I used to pick up the Wi-Fi and move it all over the place. I can even sit out on the deck and listen to it now. Now, is the Wi-Fi hooked hooked up to the computer, or you got that wire too, Ralph? How is it the Wi-Fi? No, the, the Wi-Fi is just a little tiny one-pound radio. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Mm. And you can get thousands of radio stations off the, uh, off the Internet from all over the world, starts with Afghanistan and goes to Zambezi land. <laughs> We're going to have a fun night tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you tried to listen to all, I think there's 18,000 of You'd have to make a reservation for three more lives. Oh, my goodness. Well, now, so how did you get the FM? Did you find it in a store? Did you order that? How did you I ordered it? it from an electronics company here in California. Uh, they carry all kinds of cool stuff. Is it Sea Queen? Name, or would you rather I didn't? No, I would love to promote anybody. Yeah, it's called the Sea Crane Company. I, I buy their stuff, too. They're, they're a good company. Yeah, oh, the, the service is so good. Yeah. Their, their warranties are fantastic. They're a family-operated company, too, everybody. So they, uh, it was interesting. If you go to the website and read the history of how the company got founded, it's a Yeah, on a kitchen table. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The guy was a draftman, and he moved up to near Ralph next to the wood, and was frustrated they couldn't hear his normal station tower in San Francisco. Right. So he wound up looking for equipment and creating equipment to make him hear AM radio better, and he wound up forming a family business. Yeah, it's great. I, I've driven by there. They're in a little town called Fortuna. It's about 100 miles from where I live. I love stories like that. Yeah. Only in America. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's really good. The little, it's so tiny, you could put it in your shirt pocket if you wanted to. Wow. And it, it'll run off the house current or run off of uh, internal batteries. Love it. <laughs> so, you, so you can take us with you wherever you go. Yeah, anywhere around the house. Wherever it's we like go. It's like 80 feet. What, what kind of distance? When you can sit outside... And listen, how far out the door can you go? Well, I, I've only tried it just right out the door. Mm -hmm. That's my sitting place to watch the sunset and things like that. 
hurt. Uh, but I, I should experiment with it and see just how far it does go. So we can go out and enjoy the sunset with you. Yeah, oh, yeah, we get some glorious ones up here. Oh, do you? That's great. That's super. So you had a good week. Yeah, excellent week. Uh, and you like this, the World War II music? Oh, really, we both enjoy that. That is, it really is good stuff, and I know that there are a lot on that, on that um, file. I, I put them all that I had on the CD, and it was just amazing. But, of course, you know, they're like three or four minutes each. It's not like sure. a minute or a one-hour show. So the files are relatively small. So a whole lot, but I think there are about 300 songs. I know we haven't gotten through it, but we start at the beginning each time. And uh, the quality of these, the sound is very, very good. For most of them, I was really surprised as well. But I got them from a, a really high-quality site hmm. uh, in one of my caves. <laughs> one of your places where you keep your stuff. Oh, my stuff, right, where I find stuff. I've got, I've got these little, it, it's like a rabbit warren out there. You know, you just keep going down little alleyways until you find a place that has what you'd like, and that's where I found them. So I'm glad you like them. Yes, oh, yes very much. Thank you once again. We have, we have a theme tonight. Would you like to... A theme? With our theme, yeah. I, I didn't get to tell about our theme yet, so maybe you could join the fun. Oh, yeah, what's the theme? <laughs> theme for tonight, things our mothers and grandmothers told us were true, told us what to do, told us what not to do, told us bad things that would happen, old wise tales, superstitions, habits, like don't swallow watermelon seeds because a watermelon will grow in your stomach. That yeah. kind of stuff. What did you learn growing up? I, my, I had one grandmother was very superstitious, so... I, my mother was that way. Really? What, what, what's the one superstition that you immediately think of when I say that word? Yeah, try and get your mind working when you want it to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, she wouldn't. She wouldn't. Uh, she wouldn't walk uh, under a ladder. Okay. And uh, the other one. <laughs> I thought it was kind of gross, but, <laughs> we, you know, we, there was still a couple of uh, horse-drawn uh, junk wagons and things like that huh? going down the street, and she used to purposely go out and step in the horses dropping for good luck. For good luck? But yeah, she said, that's, that's good luck. Oh, that's good luck. That's one heck of an excuse. <laughs> I don't know. Tracking stuff in the house. Look at all the good luck I'm bringing home. <laughs> Good luck. Look, who, look who's here, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I brought all this good luck home for you. Yeah, but she, she had a thing that uh, never uh, pass a knife to anyone. Never pass a knife? Yeah. If someone wants a knife, you lay it down on the table. You don't hand it to them. Oh, I have not ever heard that one. Oh, yeah, that, that was a bad one. And, and if you drop a, a spoon... Hmm? You're going to have company soon. That one I heard, yeah. And if you drop a fork, it's going to be a woman. That's interesting. Now, what would happen, it, what, what was the penalty for passing a knife to someone? Was it bad luck or an accident? It, it, 
was going I don't know happen. if it stemmed from it years ago when uh, you know it was really a dangerous thing to do. I don't know where it came from, but she would not hand you a knife. Huh? I had not heard that one. I was, certainly, there are people out there who heard that one. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. What about? But what about being admonished to do things? I, I've got a great one. Eating carrots will improve your eyesight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one and spinach. I, I've got a little bit of history that goes with that one. But what other things did your mom or your grandparents tell you? Well, I didn't have, I didn't have the luxury of, of uh, grandparents. Everybody was gone by the time I came along. Why, I didn't know that. I should have realized that because you've not talked about grandparents before. Uh, no, I, I did know my mother's father for a very short time, but I never spent any, any time with him. Uh -huh. So whatever I got, I got from, uh, from my mom and dad. So did they give you any advice, like eat your carrots? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> what else? Oh, God. Okay, so you're, you're, you're the prep team here. Yeah, you know... Uh, it's giving everybody a chance to think. I, I used to come home and have supper, and my mother would give me this special, special baby steak. Uh-huh. And it, it was liver. <laughs> <laughs> but she had me convinced that it was something really, really special good. How sweet. Did you, did you think it was pretty special good? Uh, yeah, I learned to like it. <laughs> At first, I didn't know if I liked it or not. Uh, but then as time went on, then I, I, I began to like it quite a bit. Really have to acquire a taste. You must have been one very surprised kid when you went out to dinner for the first time to get a steak. <laughs> Like the old song, he met with a woman, they went on a spree, 
And she started him smoking and drinking whiskey, and he ended up penniless. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we're going to have a grand night. <laughs> no, I, I never heard that one, but um, you're setting a great stage here. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I enjoy talking to you guys so much. It's uh, it's. Uh, I said to my wife, I, I, I'm leaving the TV room. I'm going to go talk to my friends. <laughs> oh, that, that is so sweet. Are you, are you um, since I've just got your Boston Blackie. I just got it today, so that will be coming. Um, and I've got this envelope with your name on it. What do you think about another question? I'll try. I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the big time here. Okay, I've got some left over. Um, nobody has bailed me out on District Attorney Markham yet. Um, and I've got some, some new questions. How about, let's see, in which show do characters belong to the lodge named the Mystic Knights of the Sea? That was Amos and Handy. You got it. See? You do good. <laughs> I didn't think, um, really, I, I did not think whoever got that question was going to get it right away, so you surprised me. Oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm such a fan of theirs. That, Are you? Yes. Did I ever send you Amos and Andy? Oh, yes, you did. I did, okay. Got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're going to be busy with that for a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. What else would you like besides, oh, you've got Bulldog Drummond here, too. I didn't have a whole lot of Bulldog Drummond, but he's in there, too, Boston Blackie. Who else? What are you in the market for? Uh, Tell you I'm, what. I'm all stocked up. You're stopped up. And maybe, <laughs> maybe you give me a rain check or something, because <laughs> I really don't know. Okay, well, give me, give me a category, like West. You know. I really do. I have new detectives. Um, I got one. Oh, gosh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, I have to find it. Mr., 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 Mr. Somebody. And it begins with an M. Anyway, I got a couple of new ones. Do you? Some people are, are not enamored with British shows. They're, they're distracted by the accent or speech patterns. Do you like British shows? Oh, yeah. I love them myself. Okay, I've got a couple of new British uh, epic casebook inspector car. Um, so I've got a couple of British shows, and I'll put them together for you. Mister, uh, you know the the detectives. Well, you know we years ago we went to England. Did you? We stayed with a, a family there who were uh, the aunt and uncle of a friend of ours. Uh huh. And they were Cockneys. Oh my goodness! What Cockneys? Very, very hard to understand. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, I played this guy a, a tape back of his own voice, and he just said, oh, my God, I sound terrible. Oh, isn't that cute? They really didn't know how he sounded. Well, you know, you're, you're used to what you're used to. Yeah. And, uh, and when we went to Australia, uh, it was similar, you know. Oh, yes. Much different. Mm-hmm. But after a few days, you know, you pick your way through and you, you, you figure out what's going on. Uh-huh. I bought me a hat over there. I don't know if I told you. 
hat, a leather hat made out of leather hat. blue hide. It looks like a cowboy hat. Okay. But it's made out of leather. I'm sorry? But it's leather. Yeah, it's a yeah, kangaroo skin. It's a, it's a real good hat. I, I, I wear it still. But anyhow, when I, when I bought the hat, the lady that sold it to me, she says, my God, she says, you look just like an Aussie. She says, all you got to do is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything and nobody will know. <laughs> just, just stand around and look official. <laughs> That's cute. That's cute. Okay, so you're our official Aussie, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Somebody from Australia will call us one night. Yeah, my, my wife's cousin, he moved there in the, uh, in the 60s. Uh-huh. And he's still there, and I'm in contact with him over the internet. Uh, and he's a teacher in. Uh, oh my God! You know, the capital where where the opera house is. Oh, um, Sydney. Yeah, in Sydney, and um, he's a high school teacher there, and has been for many years. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And they they loved his. Uh, American sound and he uh, radio and TV commercials. Ah, uh, yes, that's really interesting. I was listening to a couple of shows that I got from a British site, but they were actually broadcast from Australia, and the ads for products that are manufactured in the United States were in they were the actual American ads. They had not taken. Oh, oh yeah. They had not when taken we the were there, Patricia, we were amazed because they had uh, Woolworths, which has this, you know, kind of disappeared in the United States. Yeah. And they had Burger King and uh, uh, all, all kinds of different businesses that I know the names of from from years ago. They're not here anymore, but uh, Burger King, of course, is. But many of them, they seem to have... Uh, They're over there. Australia for some reason. It's good advertising, boy. Ah, uh, yes. We uh, have a friend, Heather Woodward Perry, who's a, an actress, who is a little girl. You might remember her. If you guys ever remember the Coca-Cola commercial, like, to, like, to teach the world to sing, uh-huh. that she's the singer in that. She spent her early days in Australia, and she was saying that Australia was 15 years behind getting television. Mm. So what they wound up getting was American old-time radio shows shut down to Australia. How interesting! Mm -hmm. How cool! Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Very interesting. Yeah, well, when I, when I worked for the airline, we were able to travel quite a bit, and it was really enjoyable uh, because it was cheap, cheap, cheap. Uh-huh. And one of one of your buddies got a free trip to London. Oh, you remember that, huh? Yeah. You tell great stories. Of course I remember them. He wound up in London because he didn't get off the plane fast enough before it took off. Oh, he's not the only one. There were a couple. Yeah. Uh, guys, that one guy got locked in the cargo compartment. Oh, I remember you told me that. My God, it's 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 amazing that he survived. Yeah. Well, you know. Old. Certain areas are are pressurized because they huh? carry animals there, uh-huh. you know, pets and things. Right, so he was in the critter compartment. He was in one of the pressurized uh, areas of the plane, so he was okay. So he was cold, but uh, he, got, he got through it okay. Boy. <laughs> hey, well, 
That's <laughs> not my cup, but you know. <laughs> if oh. I go somewhere, I'd rather sit in a seat. Yeah, it wasn't the best seating, I'm sure. Uh, it, it probably was not. He was probably stiff and miserable by the time he got there. I don't have a suitcase or something. I never really... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's how you can get stowaways on airplanes, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you'd want to travel that way, though. Uh, <laughs> Pretty well, <laughs> well, I think I just about ran out my string. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe we'll get to talk to you later. Uh, who knows? Who knows? What Wake up later. Uh, I'll, I'll sure call you. Okay. And hey. uh, bring a cannoli, okay? Oh, 100%. <laughs> okay. Talk Watch everybody. Good night. Thanks Good night, for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And there's Ralph. 714-545-2071 is our number. 714-545-2071. Okay, I have some things that my mother and grandmother on her side, my, my mother and her mother, um, would tell us to do or not to do. Yep. And um, <laughs> I think they're pretty good. Now, you're going to have to tell me something when I get finished with my list. Now, one of them was for nightmares... To get back to sleep without a nightmare, you had to lie on your right side. Oh, never knew that one. Okay. I, well, I, I think probably they just made it up, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. it took the scaries out of it. Because mm -hmm. if you thought you wouldn't have it happen again if you stayed in that position, then it was easier to get back to sleep. I think they lied to us <laughs> often, but, but that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Now, cat's whiskers. What do you think about cat's whiskers? I mean, in terms of old-time radio? That's, <laughs> what, that's what we use. In, in terms of old-time uh, wives' tales <laughs> and recommendations and practices and habits and superstitions about cat's whiskers. I have no idea. Cat's whiskers, I learned this from when I was a little kid. Some person who was visiting the people next door, she was a lovely lady, had this little glass container of cat's whiskers. <laughs> and she said they're for good luck. Cat's whiskers were for good luck, and you should never, ever get rid of a cat's whisker. If you find one, it is to be saved. So I never heard that before, and I have not heard it since, but maybe somebody else out there has cat's whiskers. Um, oh, I wanted to tell you about eat your carrots because it's good for your eyes. Mm -hmm. I picked up a piece of history about it. Are you ready? You bet. It's a good one. You bet. The information I have says this tale may have been started during World War II when British intelligence spread a rumor that their pilots had remarkable night vision because they ate a lot of carrots. Mm -hmm. They didn't want the Germans to know they were using radar. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's... We serve carrots so they can see in the dark. <laughs> that was great. I have no idea if this is true, but it certainly, um, you know, is a possibility. It's a fun thing to think about. So did your grandparents, did your parents tell you to say or do anything, step on a crack and break your mother's back or anything like that, don't walk under a ladder um, for... Oh, here's a great one. Are you ready for this one? Sure. 
We should have known about this earlier, Walden. <laughs> a pencil. Uh-huh. The, the instructions are if you use the same pencil to take a test that you used for studying for the test, the pencil will remember the answers. <laughs> we blew it. I knew it. <laughs> this one is good. <laughs> this is good. So if you have any of these goodies that you grew up with or you know about, give us a call, 714-545-2071. We have trivia questions tonight. If you're a first-time caller, you automatically get a CD with your favorite shows on it. If you can answer a trivia question, you get a CD with your favorite shows on it. Got to work on that one, though, because you just don't get to call and get them. You have to call and earn them. You win a CD if you answer a question correctly. Um, we've got Walden questions, stump Walden questions. I have not done very well, Walden. Well, good. We can skip that tonight, and we'll just save that for next week. <laughs> No, I think somebody's got to rescue you before we get to them, but I've got two. I've got one old-time radio question, and then later I have a World War II question that relates to old-time radio. So it, it's kind of a fun dealie. And I'm going to commit Harry Carey if I already told you the answer a long time ago because you don't forget. That helps. I know, I know. What is the consequence? This is, this is a trivia question. Mm -hmm. What is the consequence? Now, people have to call in. Old wives' tale, superstition, what is the consequence of breaking a mirror? What happens when you break a mirror, or so the old wives' tales say? 714-545-2071. What do you get when you break a mirror? Well, I don't really have any superstition in my family, but we have particular little interesting phrases. Okay. Which I think you might enjoy. I would love. Go ahead. Uh, my mother is a sticker on manners. Especially table manners. Uh-huh. We still get coats today in private, even though her boys were in their 40s. You know, but, you know, guys have a tendency to relax sometime. Uh-huh. You know? So, you know, like, get that arm off the table or whatever, you know, when you're uh -huh. eating away. And, uh, you know, my mom's favorite saying is, you know, Walton, you wouldn't be doing that if Kitty was here, right? Yeah, you know, okay. Oh. And Ooh, my, she got you. Uh, my, now, my grandmother, this is what she did to her boy um and she made me the deed the same deal when i get of age if um, if you didn't spill anything on the table you got a pony you're very close <laughs> you're very close the deal was <laughs> my uncle got a key to the house once he could show that he had hair on his chest and he was just so happened to not grow any hair on his chest so he never got a key to the house would you do that one again? Now, he, he had, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> we really are torpedoing. <laughs> now, your uncle would get the keys to the house mm -hmm. when he was old enough to grow hair yeah. on his chest. Right. I okay. I got that. Yep. But because it, he was not, 
interesting. Uh-huh. Didn't, I mean, he didn't get hair. He did not grow hair on his chest, so, so he didn't he get the keys to the house. Yep. Is he still working on it? I see. I think so. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are some little poems and ditties that go along with table manners. Mm-hmm. I, one of them is, and I remember this from my grandmother, Johnny, Johnny, strong and able, get your elbow off the table. Oh. Of course, my, you know, people always use this. You know, you need to finish the plate because there are a hundred children in the world. And, oh, yes. Um, and, you know, we, we children always came, well, they can have my food left over. You know, that's always our... I've got a whole bundle of peas. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one vegetable you would prefer not to have to eat? Most, most of them. Um, I, I was a, and I still am, people that know me, like Patricia and others, <clears throat> I am a born diplomat. Uh, so my grandmother, when seven, when I was not eating my vegetables, said, Ron, eat your vegetables, and I would say, at eight, seven, well, grandmother, I'm not quite old enough yet. So I got away with stuff like that. You're old enough now, Walden. I know, I know. You don't eat veggies? You really I don't do. like veggies? Yeah, well, I, I eat my veggies. It's not the highest priority on my list, but I do eat them. My, like my lettuce and my salads and different things, you bet. Okay. All right. You know. But we you have, know. Uh, for, for our listeners, we need to know what you learned or were told as kids that would be good for you, bad for you, you should do, you shouldn't do, you should not eat watermelon seeds because a watermelon will grow in your stomach, you shouldn't put beans in your ears, um, or what's your worst vegetable? Not your favorite vegetable, but one that you would prefer did not grow. We'll put it that way. I, had, I have a, a knowledge and wisdom line would uh-huh. you like to know the knowledge and wisdom line? Of course. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Mm-hmm. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Oh, that is good. That's good. That's I good. Just, I just read that the other day, That's which good. is why I remember it. Yeah, now, me now, next tom- week it'll be gone. <laughs> now, tomato is one of those that I will enjoy eating or I won't enjoy eating. That's one of those fruit. If it's, I guess it depends if it's grown correctly. You will enjoy eating or not enjoy uh-huh. eating. No, no, is there de- anything, it depending, any it, other option? Well, it depending on the taste. You know, some are more acid than others. So I guess I get, Reasonable. I get a little picky, I guess. Well, it's okay. You mm-hmm. can be picky. Yeah. You have to eat your vegetables, though. I, I like the carrots. <laughs> the breeders <laughs> didn't... I like, cooked, I like cooked carrots more than I did regular uh, carrots. Crunchy carrots. Uh-huh. Okay. I was always a cooked carrot guy. I don't like lima beans. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm pretty good on the rest. Once I've tasted, anyway, I'm sure yeah. there are things in the world I have not tasted. I'm an iceberg person. So we, when we have salads, it's, oh, yeah. it's iceberg oh, for Walter. Oh, my goodness, iceberg lettuce, yes. Yeah, yeah. All the green crinkly stuff is kind of bitter. Yeah. But iceberg lettuce I like ice, rabbit stuff. And I like it cold. Oh, yes. That's yes. why it's iceberg. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's iceberg. That's true. 714-545-2071. And Walden. Oh, here's something. Before I even get to your question. Zippity-doo-dah. I'm, I'm going to save you. Zippity-doo-dah. That's interesting because yeah. 
what I have to tell you is the pity do da sort of related. Good. Good. 82 years ago, something significant happened on September 19th, 1928. And I will tell you, it's Walt Disney, which relates to the zippity doo dah. What was it? It's when Steamboat Willie came came onto the screen. Steamboat Willie, yes, Mickey Mouse's first talking film, yep. Steamboat Willie, was released September nineteenth, nineteen twenty-eight. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Nineteen twenty-eight. You know, you remember my that thing I told you earlier who Mickey Mouse was named after. Yeah. Mickey Rooney. That's right. Who, who, oh, oh gosh. See, and, who, and his birthday his birthday was Mickey's birthday was this week. Mickey just turned ninety this week. That's right. I saw that in the um the New York Times had him listed yep. as a birthday boy. Yeah, absolutely. Years old and he's still out there. Still hitting the road. <clears throat> he's still hitting the road. Uh, you know, it's his um just having him there, I think, is enough for an awful lot of audience. That's true. That and so and true. that's that's nice when someone is received well. Um, it's good stuff. Nice. Good stuff. It's okay, nice. we still need to know on the trivia question. Number one trivia question. I've got new trivia questions tonight, too. What is the consequence of breaking a mirror? What happens? I know, I know. Yeah, I know, know you know. You know everything. <laughs> if nobody calls by the end of your Stump Walden question, you can answer this one because I'm sending you some CDs <laughs> and you will have earned them then. I, I'm going to let that one go for the audience because I think, I, I think look, somebody got to know that one. Somebody, somebody knows that. Somebody, yes. somebody. Right, and unless you are rescued... Unless somebody calls to rescue you. Are you whimpering? No, I'm going to take it like a, like a mouse. <laughs> okay. I'm oh, having a great time tonight. All right, this one I'm, I'm confident you know. Which program opened with these words about the show's lead character for which the show was actually named? It opened with Champion of the People... Guardian of our fundamental rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you know what? What? When you start uh, um, when you start to say what you're gonna say, uh-huh. that was the first show that came up to my mind before you even read the phrase. Oh, really? Yeah. And what is it? Mr. District Attorney. Mr. District Attorney. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it begins with Mr. District Attorney, champion of the people. Guardian of our fundamental rights. And this brings me to the point. No one has helped me with District Attorney Markham. Who was District Attorney Markham associated with? He was not the lead character, but he was a major character. Who was the lead character in which show? District Attorney Markham. Somebody has to know that. Poor little thing's been hanging around for weeks. (laughs) I don't think nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Somebody's got to know. No, well, nobody don't have to know. They just no. they can pretend that they know, but they really don't know. <laughs> I know I sent that show to at least one person, so there's somebody out there who is familiar with the show. Now, it's not one of the most popular, but it's certainly not a hidden in the corner one. Yeah. Should we ask a couple of more? Let's do it. Let's do it. I've got some new questions tonight. 
Ah, uh, what profession was Candy Madsen in? What did she do for a living? Uh, she threw peanuts in the peanut gallery. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, Candy Madsen, what did she do for a living? And the next question, who were Sam, Alice, Mary, and Henry? She made lifesavers. Say what? She made lifesavers. They were lifesavers? She, she made lifesavers. Oh, she made? Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm on Sam I, and Alice. I, <laughs> and you're talking lifesavers. Oh, dear. <laughs> Maybe we just better wrap it up. Well, okay, we'll keep on going. Okay. Sam, Alice. Mary, and Henry. Sam, oh. Alice, Mary, and Henry. We know that family. Who are they? That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. And this one I think is easy. I don't know. Detectives. Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade. Those are two of the biggest hard-boiled detectives. Those are the, the ones um, most people recognize immediately as, you know, the really rough-and-tumble detectives. They operated in the same state. What was the state? Oh, goody. I like that. Yeah, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. And um, we've got more. You want more? Sure. <clears throat> okay, how about Britt Reed, the Green Hornet, yep. was in... Hmm? Yep, yep, I know who he is. Yeah, you know who he is. <laughs> Britt Reed was the Green Hornet. In real life, he was publisher of a newspaper. What was the name of the newspaper? Ah, okay, good. You know that one? Uh-huh. Uh, see, you know everything. Mm. I'll have to go to your World War II question pretty soon. Um, I, I, okay, I'm going to save some of these, but let's see. We even have some left over that I've been waiting for. Uh, we need to know... Uh, in, in the sidekick category, Pat Buttram, who was he associated with? And Buckshot and Joker. I don't think anybody answered that one. I'd never heard of that. You never heard of Buckshot and Joker? Nope. You're going to say, this is, this is one I should have asked you, huh? Uh-huh. But when you know the answer, you're going to say, oh, I knew that. And I'll say, mm-mm. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> I do think so. I do think so. Okay, you want, you want a couple of more of these. This, the cat's whiskers I talked about. Mm -hmm. Penny. You find a penny in the street? Yeah. Well, there was, the a song, there, there, the ground. there was a song called Penny from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven. Well, it is bad luck if you pick up a penny that is tails up. It's got to be heads up. That's good luck. Tails up. It's bad luck. My grandparents would actually walk past pennies and refuse to pick them up because they were not facing up. Well, I can just tell you, my my dad will go ahead and pick them up either way. Me too. Yeah, true. People just walk past pennies. I don't. I'm the one crawling <laughs> on the ground picking up the pennies. And sometimes while you're down there, you find nickels and dimes too. You know, so that's good. You know what the best place to go? to find pennies and quarters and nickels. Where? And it's sort of sad. Maybe it's not the case, but at least um, go, go on to school ground where people, uh, when kids buy their, their lunches. Oh, they lose their money? Well, they just leave it behind. They just, you know, they don't want to buy to hold the change. Oh, we, we need some attitude adjustment here. <laughs> some coaching or uh -huh. something. Yeah. 
Gee yeah. whiz. Yeah. I went to the pharmacy the other day and found somebody's credit card there. That's a little scary. That is a little scary. I, what do you do with a credit card? I, I gave it to the pharmacist. Actually, what I did, um, when Kim, when I was down in Texas, when Kim and I came across one, uh-huh. uh, we went ahead and called a credit card company and, you know, and, and told them that way they could cancel or let the owner know uh-huh. and, and, you know, cancel the card for them. Yeah. That's what we right. did. This is laying on the counter at the pharmacy, so I guess somebody had paid for his medication or whatever he was buying, and instead of putting it back in his wallet, picked up his package and walked out yep. out his credit card. So, but it, it it's kind of spooky because you're handing over somebody's credit card to another person. Mm-hmm. Is that as safe as taking it home and trying to find the guy's number? But if he realizes it's gone, he's going to go back to the pharmacy. It really is a puzzle. So, yeah, I, well... <laughs> yeah, that's what we did. We we you know I I when Kim asked me I said let's go you know let's call the credit card company and cancel it for them that could that way the person realized there's n- no uh, thievery gonna happen. Mhm. Where did you find the card? It was in the parking lot. Oh, in the parking lot. Yeah. Sure, I would have done that. Yeah. But this was just on the counter in the pharmacy. Yeah. So I'm guessing that it just never got back into his wallet. Make good oh. sense. Mhm. Yeah. That makes good sense, you know. Hello there, you're on with Patricia. Hi, it's only me. Hi, me. No, it's not only you, it's Madam President. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what? Well, I'll tell you, I was listening to you talk about the credit cards. Mm-hmm. My husband and I were in California once, and we were waiting for the ferry to take us to Balboa Island. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're in my neck of the woods, yeah. Yeah, oh. and... Uh, I had found a credit card. So my husband says, just leave it there. I said, no, that's not the right thing to do. So I went over to a pay phone, and I called the number on the back of the card, and I told them where I was and where I had found the card. And I had my husband go inside a store and ask for a pair of scissors. And after I gave them the name and the account number, I turned around and told them, I says, I have a pair of scissors, and as I'm speaking to you, I'm cutting it all up in pieces because I will not turn it into someone for for chance for them to use. So I turned around and also told them, I said, and you tell the person who the card belongs to that all New Yorkers are not evil. (laughs) All people are not evil. Well, you know, they say, oh, New York, oh, you know. So a lot of people have a bad idea of New Yorkers and everything. Hey, that's me you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, you're a New Jersey girl. You're not a New Yorker. Well, I grew up in New York. I was born in New Jersey, but I grew up in New York. Ah. Uh, <laughs> ha See, I've got all my bases covered. <laughs> yeah, you sure do cover your bases. I sure do. I've got everything in there. Did your parents... Did your family, did your aunts, uncles, grandparents tell you um, to do or not to do, to eat or not to eat? What did they tell you when you were growing up that turned out to be a little wacky after you thought about it as an adult? Well, you know, Walden was saying how his mom and his grandmom were uh, stick, well, his mother was a stickler for the table manners. And... uh, even to this day, even if my stepson wears his hat at the table, I'm knocking it off his head. 
you know, you do not wear a hat at the table. It's rude. It's impolite. It's you shows your ill bred, and you just don't do that. You don't sit there sloppy with your elbows all over the table, and and you don't chew with your mouth open. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sticklers for the kids for the table manners. But, um, you know, me, I loved all my vegetables. I'm a veggie person. I mean, I like meat, but I'm a veggie person. They never had a problem with me eating my vegetables. But uh, with my twin brother, they used to turn around and say, you got to eat your carrots. Do you ever see Bunny Rabbit on Captain Kangaroo wearing glasses? And we used to look at each other and go, yeah, <laughs> because Bunny Rabbit on Captain Kangaroo wore glasses. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I don't think I ever saw a Captain Kangaroo show. Uh-huh. But there was a character, Bunny Rabbit. And Bunny Rabbit really wore glasses? Yes, Bunny Rabbit wore glasses. Oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. I know Bill Bragg talks about Captain Kangaroo every once in a while, that it was one of his favorite shows. He just loved oh. that show. Absolutely. Mr. Green Jeans, Bunny Rabbit, the Captain... Oh, it was a, yes. a mailman. Oh, it was a great show. It was a great show growing up. One of but, the um, characters that um, Bob Keeshan played before he got to be Captain Kangaroo. Uh, was he not Clarabelle? He was Clarabelle, yes. Clarabelle the Cocoon. <laughs> beep, beep, on Howdy Doody. Yes, yes, he was one of them. There were how many? How, Walton, do you know how many? I think there were four or five. Do you recall? Four or five. I don't five. know. Yeah, I just know that Clarabelle said uh, one word. And two words. Two words. Yeah, in a whole in a whole lifetime of the show. What were they, Lucille? Goodbye. <laughs> oh, so it was bye, kids. Bye, kids. The very last show, he, he got all sad, and he said it out loud. He said goodbye to the kids out loud. You know, Ralph was describing his little radio thingy there from Sea Crane. That's where I have my table Sea Crane Wi-Fi radio. They got several models. I've, been, I've looked on there, what, seven, eight different models. They have a lot of good Wi-Fi radio products available. They are fantastic. I when I first when my husband first purchased this radio for me, um, prior to him purchasing it they wanted two hundred and forty nine dollars I believe. Mm -hmm. And I had been listening to a show and they had dropped the price to a hundred and thirty nine. And you know, never in my life do I ask my husband for anything and for me to to break down and ask for something, he knew it was something I really, really would love. And he turned around, he, he ordered it for me. And now it's down to 129 But um, I've, we've taken this Wi-Fi radio, and we have the outdoor speakers mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. Wi-Fi wireless speakers, and we plug it into the C-Crane radio. And what, what Ralph has on his pocket one mm -hmm. is exactly what's on the tabletop and <clears throat> and like you said from a through z <laughs> it has every radio station imaginable on it that's funny and it's a it's a great little ditty i had a problem with it when it first came 
I sent it back to them. They sent me a uh, replacement just to listen to until they fixed the problem with the radio. And then when they sent that back, I sent them back the replacement one. That is nice. They are a fantastic yeah, company definitely. to deal with. They yeah. really, really are. Well, it's really nice to give them some visibility. Because you don't have those kinds of companies in every corner of the world any longer. How do you, this is C, the letter C, and C-R-A-N-E. Yeah, if you go, I think on their website is ccradio.com. Right. Ccradio. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. It's fantastic. And as a matter of fact, under the Wi-Fi table model, I gave them a, a testimonial. Oh. And it's on the site, too. It, they do make a fantastic product. They stand by their company. They stand by the customer. They are just... Your family, family run, you know. Right. Like, yeah. in, in a world where a lot of companies don't stand by their customers, this company is alpha, 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 plus, 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 plus. Yep. My goodness. It's a nice website. CC Crane. Nope, nope, nope. C Crane. Dot com, C-C-R-A-N-E, dot com, and they've got some really nifty little goodies up there, and not everything is priced in the $4,000 category. Oh, lots of They have some. $100, under, I don't see anything here more than $125. I have even uh, a pillow speaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's super. It's absolutely super. Well, this is a fun site. I'm going to spend some time there later. Oh, you have to. You know, it's it's amazing. So anyway, the one question that you asked, or you, what did you say, Alice, Mary? Yeah. Ah, um, yes, we did. Yep. We've got Sam at the Aldrich family. Oh, you oh, Sam, Alice, Mary, and Henry. Is C that Aldrich family? You are so correct. Yay! Yay! Now, for you, because I did my homework this week. <laughs> I don't think I ever sent you the show Witch's Tale. Or Witch's no. Tales, did I? No, no you didn't. Well, we're just going to have to get those shows for you. I came across them the other day and I thought... You know, unless they've got a home, I'm, I'm, I can't. You know, I'm up to about 150 megs or gigs on the, on the shows here. But um, we will have the Witch's Tales. Love that. I, I, I truly appreciate it. You know, um, I'll take my uh, CD player outside on the deck huh? and I'll put them in. Because on some of the some of the CDs that you've sent me, for some reason, will pick up on the CD player. Others won't. I have to put them in the tray for the laptop. But I'll play them on the speakers outside and just sit back. Oh, how cool! Late at night, and, uh -huh. and the, just picture this: a warm, balmy night, <laughs> sitting at the lawn table on the deck. Surrounded by a screened-in gazebo. And the shriek in the background set everything what? All these witches' brews and all these hoo-ha horror things, and my neighbors must think I have lost my crackers. Well, then they'll just have to come over and enjoy it with you. 
There you go. And the next time one, two, three loses a whisker, I'm canning it. Oh, uh, leaves. <laughs> yes. Put it in a little jar and save them. <laughs> She's lost. How many whiskers? I can't tell you. They grow back, of course. But, you know, oh. next time I find a whisker, in a bottle it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. In a bottle. There you go. Hey, the witch's tales it is. Well, thank you very much. I have an envelope here. I'll tuck it in your envelope. I can't recall what's in there, but it's sealed, and I'll unseal it and put a new one in there before it goes out in the mail this week. Well, I thank you very much, and have sure. a great night, and I will continue to listen. But if you don't hear back from me, it means that I've had an exhausting day, and I'm just pooped and out like a light. Well, you know, you got plenty of energy still, Lucy. I don't know. It's almost 2 in the morning. You're t- still peppy. So, you know, it might have been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I will try to stay awake. And if I don't, it's not for lack of trying or, or not being entertained enough. It's just because it's been a long day and very exciting day. We'll try to do something ultra exciting for you. There you go. All right, I'll okay. We'll talk to you later. You okay, Lucy, thanks for calling. Oh, bye-bye. Bye. Well, I got two stories to tell you now. Oh, I'm here. I'm listening. Love stories. What, I what, love pictures and stories. What's the, oh, uh, well, you can draw a picture of this story. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Yeah. The, this Walden the, story. Yeah. The two stories. My brother, I, if most people may or may not know, I have one brother. Uh, he's two years and nine months younger than I am. And one of the lovable traits he has, he is the most stubborn human being on the face of the earth. And this, this identifies him. When he was just an itty bitty bitty smally little guy, like four or five years old, um, he had a disciplinarian as a teacher. And my mom thought this would be a great way to introduce vegetables to my mother, to my brother. So my mom would pack uh, uh, his lunch and she stuck some carrots in there. And she just knew the teacher was going to make sure he ate no carrots. <clears throat> so, you know, this is, you know, young girl. So my brother ate the carrots and tucked them on the side of his cheek and went the rest of the day school and came home on the bus and then bothered to eat the carrots. He spread he them out. It like, like a chipmunk? Uh-huh. In this yeah. <laughs> That's a creative kid. That's a creative kid. Now... <laughs> That's good. Now, the credit card story. Uh, 17 years ago, <laughs> when my family went to Europe, uh, we visited my uncle. And, uh... Um, so... We, we met my uncle in um, Paris, France. My uncle at the time was the head of NATO. And so we went to England for a few days, then we went to Paris, France. And my dad, you know, knew his, his brother-in-law coming to town, so it, we, we didn't have to carry a lot of cash money, you know, handy. It wasn't really necessary. But... My dad has set it up that, and I highly recommend this to anybody to travel. It gives you the best deal on currency. You can go to your bank and set up your credit card 
uh, and go to certain ATM machine, and you can put in your American credit card and punch out the currency of the country you're in, and you get a better exchange rate rather than dealing with these brokers on the streets or, or dealing with banks. Oh, how clever. Yes. So he thought he was being smart doing oh. this this way. You know, we okay. We had our travel check. He had a card. We had some, you know, French currency. And so this is Friday. And we knew my uncle coming in Saturday was his bodyguard. Well, Friday is, was our trip from uh, England. We took the, um, uh, the, the hovercraft to cross the English Channel. Uh, the hovercraft float is the one that's you know float is over the water, mm-hmm. um, and I would lovingly say that we land in Barstow, California, which is basically the desert out in France, and so we had to take a bus ride four hours. Uh, but my mom four hours yeah wow four hours. Uh, so we didn't fly over. We just thought it'd be fun to take the hovercraft. So my that day my mom wound up starting to get an eye infection and. Uh, so, we, uh, my, so when you're in France, we didn't notice, uh, we had the hospital call, um, and the doctor came to the hospital, I mean, came to the hotel to take care of my mom. Wow. Yeah, pretty nice. So, after my dad gave him, you know, English money, he didn't know what, you know, she, he never spoke English, my dad, so he just, just giving my dad, row. <laughs> just giving my dad row. $20 bill, and he was pretty pleased. So, after that, my dad thought, Hmm. I, you know, I think it's maybe time for me to get a few extra currency. So he went, walked down to the bank in France. It was a couple blocks away. And it's a French holiday weekend. So the banks were closed. So my dad walks up to the ATM machine, puts the card in the machine, and he starts punching the numbers. And he saw his credit card go in and come back out and go right back in and zip disappear. Oh, uh oh. So he came back laughing. He just thought it was the funniest thing he ever saw that here his credit card got eaten up by the French machine. So he called the credit card company and uh, and said, Oh, hey, no problem. Walk send it to the hotel. You know, for you the next day, you know, from America to Paris, France. And I said, well, one problem, we're, you know, going on the road to the next stop. And, okay, what can we send? Well, we're going to an AP, we're going to a military base. Well, uh, oh, we can't get it to you. It takes 30 days. But, fortunately, my uncle showed up in a couple of hours, so we went, and we went out. And in the next couple of days, after the first holiday weekend, the bank opened, and they found my credit card, my dad card, and sent it to him. so... But that's my memory of a credit card story. Credit cards that disappear in ATMs today, you can say goodbye to your account. Mm. Just gone. Well. Um, There are so many ways that they sound simplistic when somebody describes just the surface of them. Mm -hmm. Honest to goodness, I don't know how people make these things work, where they, they will... There are signs on an ATM, for example, um, it's not working properly today, you have to push it in two times, and the second time or the first time, I don't know what it is, it records your number so somebody else has your number and your password, and it's it just, I, I'm 
boggled by all of this. I, you know, I love having a car because all it takes is a key. You know, I don't have to crank. I don't have to look under the hood. I don't have to know how to put together an engine. It will go if I turn the key. So I'm, I'm just baffled well, by all of this. I'll tell you what's coming. Um, last week, not this past week, but the week before, our friend Jay from Japan uh, took me out. <laughs> took me out to Starbucks. And of course, I don't drink coffee, so I had hot chocolate. And Jay is an engineer by trade. Jay works for, uh, he lives in the middle of the night. I thought, well, somebody's got to, I, I have to be able to call somebody. So I broke down and I got a cell phone. I don't even know what the number is. I keep it in my purse. I charge it. I put it in my purse. I charge it. I put it in my purse. And I walk around with a cell phone. <clears throat> for like $13 a month because I never use it. What happens to people like me? I don't even know how to turn the thing on. I have to say, wait a minute, don't attack me yet. I have to turn on 911. I'm not there. Hello there, Carla. Are you there? I'm here. How's everybody? Hi, Nolan. I'm Hi, fine. Nolan. Happy so, Beatles Day to you. What are we playing tonight? We've got... Uh, Telling stories of uh, our assorted past or children. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, it's a little early for the sorted stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, um, yeah. I'll tell you what. We we just we just went down in a handbasket. <laughs> we're working so hard on doing that tonight too. It was such fun that we're going to repeat it. Yes, please do. What, about, what kinds of stories and cautions and superstitions did you grow up with? Ah, okay. Now, my mother thought that anything that had carbonation in it would keep you awake at night as a child. Uh-huh. Uh, Coca-Cola probably would because it, it has uh, caffeine in it. But any kind of drink that had uh, carbonation would keep you awake. That was her, her thought. Uh-huh. You know, doesn't agree with that. Well, what do you think? Oh, I think it was, she planted it in my mind, and if I uh, was staying awake, I said, oh, gosh, I drank that uh, cherry cola earlier. So that's uh -huh. oh, you know, it makes sense, though, because you swallow all of those bubbles and then go to bed, you can get a tummy ache. <laughs> I guess so. I never knew what you based that on, but uh, I don't have too many. It's not a guy thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Tummy aches are not a guy thing. Right, how about superstitions? What kind of superstitions did it? Cause somebody mentioned walking under a ladder. You, you didn't do, which made sense because you know the first thing that would come off a ladder would be a can of paint. Yeah. Um, what what kinds of things do you remember? I guess I, I remember going home from school in the, you know fourth or fifth grade, but or third or fourth grade, and, and you step on a crack, you may break your mother's back. Uh huh. Ever hear that one? So you try to. Run and, and not step on a crack. And, and not step on a crack. Your buddy would call you on it, you know. Do you still, when you're out walking, do you still avoid cracks? <laughs> no. <laughs> I avoid crack. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, no these, these little stripes in the street. <laughs> when you, we talked about putting on Patricia last time. Uh -huh. No. And somebody said that uh, we did that occasionally. Yeah. I, we put on a whole table full of 
nice German people when I was in the Army. What did you do? I don't know how this came up, but we we discovered that the, the uh, Easter is not observed in, in Europe. No kidding. As far as I know. At least it was okay. in Germany. And uh, so we, we were telling about this holiday that we had in the United States where once a year the Easter pig came. <laughs> You know, what's interesting, what, how pigs are treated in Germany. Do you know, Patricia? No. They're, they're, they're treated very well. They are raised indoors. Okay. Yeah. You know, instead of having your pigs outside, they raise them to, to eat always indoors. So interesting. Yeah. Now, somebody from Germany has to call us as well and, and give us a heads up on that. Uh-oh. Are you still there, Nolan? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I was, I was going to play a blooper for you, I think. <laughs> uh, can you hear that? Nolan is the king of the bloopers. Having How many years have you been in broadcasting? He's been blooping away forever. <laughs> I, I can hear it barely, Nolan. You're gonna, I guess you have to turn it up. I, I'm sorry? I can hear it barely. Oh, you could? Okay. Yeah, barely. I can't hear it at all. Yeah, Patricia couldn't hear it all. She got the great hearing. I could hear it barely, you know. Let's try again. <laughs> well, that's a bad... I'm just using that for an example to... Have all. <laughs> yeah, that's got a lot of... All right, we're good. Uh, it, it's ready, though. I'm sorry, where were we? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was asking the broadcast professional how many years he's been in the industry. Enough to set up something that you could play down the line. You know, okay. This no is good. Have truly. Uh, now I know that you've sold the radio stations and you're not active um, in radio stations except ours, and you're bringing us all of this entertainment. How many years were you in the industry? Well, I purposely continued to work for Bill, the volunteer, so that I yeah. could, uh, in radio 50 years. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so. Oh. Okay, well, say I asked you a question, and I, I shouldn't have done that because you sound like you're a little kid, and so now everybody knows you're not a little kid. Oh, if you... Uh, Started it too, right? My picture on the Internet, you know I'm not a little kid. Uh, is your picture up there? Yeah, it's uh, it's on... Uh, oh, what is it? A former employee of mine took the Beatles interview and put it on... On YouTube? You, yes. And then he added graphics to it, which you would appreciate because you've heard it before, both of you have. Uh-huh. But he had, uh, he called me and, or emailed me and told me to look at it. And it was, I was a big hit with the kids. <laughs> I called him and told him. Now that's the one that you forwarded to me, yes? Uh, yeah, now, and that was the, um, he found the newsreel that went with the uh, Beatles interview. And uh, that was also, that's almost 50, that's 40 some odd years old. And he found it on the internet, and it is the coverage, the German uh, newsreel. Uh huh. I can pick myself out uh, of it in several places, and uh, you never know what somebody's going to do for you. 
Yeah, you have to. You really have to behave yourself in today's world. That's right. And we were told that as kids. That's one thing we heard as kids, uh, and it was terrifying at times. My father, who was six foot five, um, so that's a lot of person to listen to, would tell us, "You better behave because I know everybody in town." <laughs> he did. You know, I mean, so we we really were on our frightened best behavior because there was somebody out there who knew us. Everybody out there knew us and knew who we belonged to, but we didn't know them. So it was like a million little eyes watching us out there, making sure we behaved ourselves. It was scary. Do you want to hear a blooper? Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. I'm always, I either make it myself or I bring, bring some along. Yeah. No, well, you, you don't make this one. fun. Okay, you, do you need to set this up? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's a CBS Morning News radio, and when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong. It's like a, this is true, in most cases, it's like uh, dominoes. Uh-huh. So it goes down and down and down. So there'll be some long pauses in here, but... Uh, they're with me because they, they have to pause to regroup and there's some gaps in this newscast, but I think you'll find it amusing. I hope so. Stand by. Okay. Memphis, Tennessee this morning examines the results of a local election of more than local interest. We'll hear the story now from Memphis and Russ Hodge. The rehearsal for the Rockefeller Rasmussen wedding was held this morning in the White Frame Church at Signa outside Christianson with all the participants present except Governor Nelson Rockefeller. All right, we will interrupt that report to tell you that we are now listening to what on the preview of the Rockefeller wedding from Alexander Kendrick and Christiansand. Well, we'll try again to get that report from... Well, we're still trying to get that report from Christian Sand. We'll try once again to hear from Alexander Kendrick. Now back to CBS News in New York. <laughs> and we'd like to apologize for the uh, temporary confusion. The Western Hemisphere Foreign Ministers Conference is moving toward its conclusion with or without the presence of Raul Castro. He's the one with a ponytail and no beard. Richard C. Hotlet reports from San Diego. Otto Cofield has a three-year leave of absence to protest California's abolition of anti-discrimination uh, housing laws. <laughs> That's called the Porky Pig Syndrome there at the end. <laughs> I love this. Is there more? Uh, yes, I, I have. Uh, after Porky Pig, let's see what we have. Richard C. Hart is the last surviving newscaster of World War II is still with us, by the way. Who is that? Uh, the guy who just did that last blooper. Oh, um... Richard C. Hart is still with us. Is it wonderful, right? Yeah, he's about 97 or so now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't have him come over to my house and play baseball. I know. All right, this was uh, our, our beloved monitor. And they. <laughs> this one's called, If You Have to Start, you got to Start Somewhere. <laughs> reporter is, is obviously an amateur, and he has uh, some things go wrong. Oh, yeah. Just trying to return it to monitor in Radio Central. Here we go. Mr. Richard C. Hart, 
people gave quite a, an ovation to Buddy Werner when he came in in his last effort to unseat the Where's my clothes? <laughs> what the hell is the clothes? <laughs> Will you identify yourself and say it now back to monitor and radio central? Eddie, I'll take five. This is Kit Carson White, a ski reporter from San Francisco. I'd like to return you back to monitor and San Francisco. Look, uh, Kit, you say that your name is Kit Carson White? Would you please say, this is Kit Carson White in Squaw Valley, now back to Monitor and Radio Central. All right. This is Kit Carson White from Squaw Valley, now back to Radio Monitor. <laughs> Let's try it again. It's Monitor and Radio Central. Monitoring in Radio Central. All right. This is Kit Carson White, Squaw Valley. Now back to Radio Monitor in Central. <laughs> Jed, let's try it slow this time, huh? Let me write it down. <laughs> it's Monitor and Radio Central. Monitor and Radio Central. All right. This is Kit Carson White from Squaw Valley. And now back to... Monitor and Radio Central. Yay! Yay! Got it right. That was good. When he first came out with Where Is It, it sounded like he said, Where are my clothes? I no, I didn't catch that. And, and it, but that's what it sounded like because it was so cold. You know, it was just a cold announcement. Where's the clothes? I thought he was asking for his clothes, not okay. the thing of a of a, a report, but his his clothes. Is that somebody had stolen his clothes? The, um, so the non-broadcasters in the audience, what was happening is that he needed to put that clothes on there so that the uh, you know they would know when it ended, and he would splice that uh -huh. report, and it would all come out smoothly if the guy could just say it, right? Get it on the tape so that they could cut cut it together. Now, Monitor had stringers all over the country. Is that what happened here? They were talking with a stringer, not someone who was a professional on the scene 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It was somebody who had a story to turn in, and it might happen once a month or once every other month. Am I on target with that? Yeah, I think so. Uh, probably it was a print person. Ah, Okay. That happened a lot, you know, in news. Uh-huh. They don't necessarily translate to another medium. No, they don't. Uh-huh. Well, that was funny. I, I just, he's looking for his clothes. I, I really clothes. thought that this was um, an Easter pick right here. It's about. He was announcing to the world that he had lost his clothes. It's about like, um, but he has a little bit of an accent of where you're from. Where? What? Who? <laughs> yeah. <George>. What? <laughs> what? I, the director at Monitor. Yeah. Where's my clothes? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yes. He did have a tough toughness about him. He wasn't gonna give that kid any any break. No, he was uh, he was upset. He uh huh. Was under he was not used to dealing with amateurs. You could tell that. Yeah. Yeah. So not not a whole lot of patience. So. How can you tell a professional? 
knowing and not? That's a great question. How could you tell being broadcast? Um, what are what signs? Gosh, it's... Uh, Was it the way they held themselves? Was it the way... Were there certain uh, techniques? What, what, in your mind... Or maybe about how somebody who just knew in broadcasting versus an old vet? Um, one thing is breathing properly. Mm -hmm. You find that uh, people get nervous. Uh, it happened to me. I, it's probably happened to everybody starting out in this business when I was quite young. I was so nervous reading the copy, the news copy, that I forgot to breathe and ran out of air. Oh, okay. I got it. It is possible to do that because you're so nervous. Yes. One thing that you do, and, and you really have to take on air like a singer would because you've got to breathe at the, at the end of the sentences. Huh? What, a lot of people make a mistake of, of saying, feeling that they have enough air to go to the next sentence and they don't take a breath. You should take a breath at every period, every time you stop, regardless of how, how short the sentence is, you won't get in trouble. Huh? Brian Williams has the most remarkable uh, ability to string sentences together without taking a breath. I, I think any second he's, he's going to run out of breath. Or he can't, but it's like a trained voice or a singer that can fill the lungs and, and speak. Uh-huh. Every once in a while, I will say about someone, the only person in the room who can breathe in and talk out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about. He's got, to, he's got the ability. I've never really paid that much attention to him other than he's got a very fine presentation and he's not at all hard to listen to. But I never paid attention to his technique. Another thing is, uh, which I'm excellent at, as you can tell, is microphone technique. But making noise with a microphone. If uh, someone is a public, steps to a podium, they, they're not a professional. They will inevitably put the pencil down or make a lot of noise around the spontaneous uh -huh. noise on the PA system or, the, for that matter, on the radio. Uh-huh. The microphone thumper, too. Funk, funk, funk. Is it working? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh. You interviewed somebody for a broadcast position. What was the first thing you looked for? Uh, in radio. Uh huh. Uh, how they looked. They had to be handsome. <laughs> you know, you almost got me on that one. Uh. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll be good. I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'll behave myself. You know, if they they come in with a firm handshake and have a nice. Uh, voice modulated nicely and don't try to uh, pitch it down about seven octaves. Uh -huh. The mistake somebody will make too is to try to have a radio voice, you know, that's not really theirs. Uh -huh. Put it on. Don't you look for a personality too, though, Nolan? I mean, isn't that the way that tells you have somebody? Yeah, in a, in a way, but there's some people that are just not as gregarious mm -hmm. in person as they are on the radio. Mm -hmm. So that you, you have to be careful there because they can be very shy with, in an interview and then they, they get in their element on the radio and just come across like gangbusters. I, uh, so you might miss a good one because you're not putting him in his normal situation. Do you give, <laughs> instead of screen tests, do you give microphone tests? Yes, I think I said on this program once before, what I like to do ideally is to get a tape of a person before I see them. Uh-huh. I don't have any preconceived ideas of how they might uh, sound on the radio. I've heard them. I, I know how I would react to the voice and the way they 
handle themselves on the tape. So then when I meet them in person, if they've got uh, tattoos all over their arms and ponytail, and uh, you, you don't prejudge them because of the way they look, mm-hmm. right? they, they may sound great and you can get by with them. Do you think, do you think of demographics? In other words, if you have a station that's geared to teenagers, you look for somebody who can relate to teenagers as a broadcaster? Let's see. I, I miss part of that. Well, I'm just with this thinking. What's it? You do, when you listen to a voice, do you do you think of demographics? Do you think okay? I have a station that geared to, uh, you know, 18 to 20, 20 34. Do uh-huh. you look for a voice that those type of people might relate to? Yeah, if the person is obviously, uh, if it was a top 40 station. Mm-hmm. We say they used to call them that. I, I, it's probably a different term now, but yeah. that's for young demographics. And if a person maybe would do news on that station, but wouldn't be a DJ. Yep. Nolan, in old time radio, give me the three voices. You're right back. I beg your pardon. What, what am I doing here? He 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 brings up the end. Is anybody still with me? I sure am. We are. <clears throat> Hello? There you go. There we go. I was trying my microphone technique. Oh, gosh. I can hear a squeak, squeak. I have to tell you the truth. I, I came in to play that tape, and I been, was on my knees down here where the uh, the control is. <laughs> it's okay. You can stand up now. I'm I'm satisfied. I just, you can get back on your chair. But my leg was going to sleep. Oh. Don't have to bow. It's okay. <laughs> I I do have a question. Are are you going to play something? Or I have one more a question. Hmm? Yeah. But she wants to know your top three voices in old time radio. In my estimation. In your in your estimation, yeah. Uh, Tony Marvin would have to be way up there. Mm-hmm. Uh. Fred Foy. Oh, yeah. My favorite. And hmm, top three. I have a Tony, Mar- uh, Tony Marvin story. Art Gilmore, I guess. Would be. Art, Art Gilmore. Art Gilmore, okay. Uh, here's my Tony Marvin story. Mm-hmm. One of the great voices in old-time radio. Mm-hmm. Most people may recognize that being the announcer on uh, Casey Crime Photographer. He's the... Uh, the commercial spokesperson. Well, in the uh, in New York, the announcers had the great voices, and <clears throat> they were they were rag each other. Basically, they they were all getting the elevators, and they would all say hello to each other in the lowest voice possible. And David Ross used to beat them all. But one time, Tony walked into the elevator with a broken foot. He had a cast on his foot. So one of the announcers said, "Hmm, Tony, did you drop your foot? Did you drop your voice on your foot?" <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. That's a good story. A Nolan, in terms of performers, are the actors and actresses we heard on or hear on the old-time radio shows, there are a couple that are outstanding to me because, as a listener, they they do things with their voices that appeal to me. John Daner is one of them. Oh, yeah. 
you have performed, and then, I don't know if anybody's interested in why, but John Daner, to me, had one of the most versatile voices, could fit any role. He was a professional, he was serious, he was always a joy to listen to, no matter where he was. And he played leads as well as um, really basic support roles, and he was wonderful no matter what he did. What other performers hit you that way? Uh, what hits me that way? Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was um, very flexible, could do most anything. Mm-hmm. What we're saying. <clears throat> Or somebody whose voice uh, really makes you sit back and, and appreciate and enjoy. Well, William Conrad could do a lot of different voices. Uh, he would play different parts, and he couldn't come up too high because <laughs> he started out too low. Uh, but I do remember hearing him play villains and things over the years. He always sounded like William Conrad, though, to me, anyway. As soon as he opened his mouth, I knew it was William Conrad. Well, I guess I did, too. I wouldn't be able to say that. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, I always thought he was excellent. Uh, he was Matt Dillon. There was no nobody else. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, and there, there was uh, a performance, an Edgar Allan Poe performance of the cast of Montelado, and he played the guy who was being dragged into the dungeon, and he sounded like Matt Dillon in Edgar Allan Poe Horror Tale. I, I couldn't separate him from the major role that I associated him with. When he did the uh, narration, Alden, you'd be good at this, uh, the, the uh, Rocky, Rocky Squirrel, Rocky... <gasps> yes, oh, the, um, the Fractured Fairy Tales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Huh? He would do the, uh, and Bullwinkle. Right. Oh, he was good at that. You're right. Oh, yeah. He was, it was satire, and it was, it was so good. Because he would really uh, ham it up on there because he could. Oh, but yes. Everything was serious, and yes. our friends will be back. Yes. <laughs> will they fall off the cliff? Go ahead. That's true. Sorry. And, and, and when, he, when he said, and, and remember, Avalanche is better than one. <laughs> Good. That's good That's right. writing. I like that show. I'm, I saw where you can order them. I may get those again. Ian Bullwinkle. I don't care when I listened to them, but they, I really appreciated what they were doing. Uh-huh. It was an adult cartoon set up for kids to watch. The Flintstones. I have one more in my bag of tricks here. Yeah. You want to wind it up? <clears throat> uh, oh, this one indicates how you could be in a studio ready to do a broadcast. And somebody turns your microphone on prematurely, and you're talking to another person there waiting to get your cue to do the uh, either the news piece or the feature, whatever it might be. Uh-huh. It sounds something like this. Something NBC like this. NBC News special report today in Washington. Here is Robert McCormick, NBC News. Bothered the heck out of me. I went out this morning and mowed the damn lawn at 2 o'clock. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, I have to say you did. <laughs> wow. Funny. Wow. I think that it's getting too big when you... The, the, the engineer can't even see the guy that's uh, coming on live next. And it's 
depending on water wide or something. Uh, anyway. An open mic gets an awful lot of people into trouble. Are you in the market for a question? In a market, am I? Yeah. A compete? Sure. Did you hear any of the questions? Or may I repeat them, sir? I was I was busy. Uh, <laughs> you were busy with the Easter pig, I know. That's right. Keeps coming by. All right. Hey, here's a, here's a, a, a relatively difficult one. Detectives Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade. You know those two? Yes, uh-huh. They worked in the same state. What was the state? The state that Sam Spade worked in. Uh, and Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe worked in different cities, but in the same state. Which state did they work in? Am I alone? I'm trying to think of clues to help out. The only clue that I can give them is the names of the cities. But I don't want to do that. Well, I could say, uh... No, 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 no. I can, I can give one. For now. I can give one. Oh, if you have to. But Owen, I think he disappeared. Nolan? Oh, my God, I thought he was thinking. I know. He was thinking it over. Let me hang up and he can call back. <clears throat> he fell off the line. I know. Well, here's a great trivia question, and it fits in with your question. Okay. What old time, you know, traditionally in the old time radio, when they did a sign off, they told you what city they came from. Uh huh. You know, this is Hollywood, or this is New York. Right. What radio show gave out the state? The state? Yes. How interesting. Yeah. Um, hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Well, then, I don't know. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you this story. New York, but that was New no, York City. No. Go ahead. One man's family, it was set, when it started, it was based in San Francisco for 1930, for five years. And we'll tell the story later. Hello there. What, it wasn't Hawaii Calls? It wasn't Hawaii Calls. You know what, you know which one it is, Brian? It was not Hawaii Calls? No. One man's family? Yes. Well, didn't you just give me the answer? <laughs> <laughs> because, because I was going to tell the story, you know, it was, it was, it was starting in San Francisco, 1932. It was in San Francisco and NBC from 32 to 37. And when they made the move in 37 to Hollywood, they didn't want to say this is from Hollywood. So they get called, this is from California. Oh, right? that's right. Because they didn't want everybody to know that they were not in San Francisco. You got it. I don't think they ever, I thought I read somewhere, no, they did do it in San Francisco. It was it was another show that never was actually in Chicago. It was first, first night. it was never in New York. It was never in New York. That's yeah, it was, it was first nighter. First nighter was never in New York, yep. correct? Right. It was in Hollywood, Chicago, never New York. Yeah, um, yeah so one thing about one man's family that I recall, hi Patricia, by the way. <laughs> I was waiting for a breath, hi, how you doing? <laughs> Just fine. Don't know why I'm even listening tonight. <laughs> I miss I'm it. kidding. Say that again. Wait, wait, wait. He's not, well, he doesn't know why he's listening to us. 
Because I don't because I don't obviously have any answers to any of the trivia questions. Oh, except for Sam Spade and the other one. That was a pretty easy one. Well, it wasn't. It's only easy if you know the answer. So what's the answer, Brian? It's California. Yes, it is California. All right. You get to win a CD. No, I'll let somebody else win the CD. I, I got so many CDs, I don't even know where to put them anymore. Well, there's something Patricia had that you don't have. What's that? Anything that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. That's good. Aren't, That's good. aren't you just funny tonight, Walden? Oh, I try to be. Are you a history What's that? Are you a history buff, Brian? Yeah, give me another. Sometimes it just depends on my mood. Give me a, go ahead and give me a, a trivia question. Well, I was asking if you wanted some history shows. Um, I mean, had, oh, oh, like what? Historic broadcast. Like what? He's being picky. Like what? No, I mean, like no, I mean, like Cavalcade of America. Oh no, 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 no. Hold on. Do, 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 do. We've got things like. Um, what is it? We've got now, 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 just hold on. We've got some Edward R. Murrow shows. We've got election songs that go all the way back to George Washington. We have um, the FDR death train, the various stops that the train made along the way. I've got Harry Truman speeches. Stuff like that. Wow. He might be interested in uh, radio interviews. Patricia, you have any the... Uh Richland Parkies or the uh, same time, same station, anything like that? I have, um, I'm, I'm finishing loading up the golden age of radio, but you probably got that one yourself. No, I do um, not. Pardon? He does not. No, I do not. You do not. Would you like it? Yeah, is that the one with the, the two gentlemen? I can't think of their name from WTIC or whatever it was. Correct, yeah, Dick Burrow and Ed Corcoran. Yeah, those two. Is it from that? Yes. Uh huh. Sure, why not? Send it on over. <laughs> <laughs> Send it on over. Yes, sir. <laughs> you can leave the tip at the door. Patricia? What? Could you do me a favor? Um, should I get out Walden's list? Uh huh. And you would like? On that website, could you download the one night stand shows for me? There, oh. There's a, there's, a, there's 39 big band interviews on that same website. I have the uh, the radio stuff. Um. When we talk during the week, would you give me some instructions? Because I'm only on one section there. Sure. And. I'd be happy. You could give me. I'd be happy to. Okay. I'd be happy to. And in exchange. Go ahead. I'm sorry. In exchange, I will give you the shows. Terrific. Okay, Golden Age of Radio, you've got it. So what's new with you, Hey Good? Anything new? Well, I just, I'm sitting here listening away, listening to Patricia, as I always like to listen to Patricia. I know. And it dawned on me that, you know, I hadn't heard from you in a long time. I which know, I've been busy. I've been, I want anything. <laughs> I've been, no, I've been, bu- I've been busy closing down Frank Busy's house. Tomorrow's the last day. Oh, I know, I know. Tomorrow's the last day? Yeah, tomorrow's the last day. Why didn't she, oh, really, why didn't you have me come down there and help? I could use your help. I'm a little late now. Uh, well, I need your help to sort through what I brought home. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What home? The home. I have this. I have all the stuff in three different houses. I need help to come sort. Okay. So come on down. 
Come on down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Costa Mesa. Is that what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Every- Come on down. You know, you've been at the house. You know what it is. Yeah, I can't imagine you're storing all the stuff in Frank Brzee's house in that house, though. Well, you- I have it three different houses. Out of a bedroom? I have it three different houses. Really? Yeah. Get the, the TV stuff. I have it. All three rooms, all, all, all three sides of the garage, outside down the hall, and in a shed. That gets the TV portion. Okay. Not the radio and the other stuff. So I need some help. So come on down and help me sort. Okay. Okay, Patricia, are you going to join me? <laughs> <laughs> 3,000 miles. Um, if I can come home with a truckload, sure. You're welcome. Oh. You're welcome to. I think you probably would love it, Walden. I will. I, would, would you give just a little bit of a fill-in for people who might not know the story behind this? Well, I guess Frank Percy has sold his Hudson house, and I'm helping him uh, sort through the material. And the Hudson house is where he had his, his recording broadcast. studio yeah. and his theater, right? Yeah. And tomorrow is our 19th trip with a car or a truck or a van. 19. 19. Switch phones here. You're going to hear a click. Yeah. So I can use some help, Brian. 19. So it was 19 times with a truck or a van. Uh huh. So what were the other trips done in? <laughs> uh, car? Car, truck, or a van? Oh, okay. Any by foot? No. No. There's too much. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's all at the. It's all at the. So out of all of Frank Brzee's friends, it's all at your house. <laughs> No, other people got other stuff. Really? Yeah. Wow. Hmm. No, I'm not keeping it all because I want to make sure the hobby enjoys it. So I'm getting it transferred. Oh, I mean, what is it, reel-to-reels and stuff? Or what uh-huh, you... reel-to-reel transcriptions, records. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So our goal is to make sure everybody gets to enjoy it. Wow. Yeah. So, Patricia, are you, you looking forward to enjoying some of... What Walden has found? What kind of stuff? Is there any stuff that's not available to the general public yet? Plenty. I won't ask you what they are. I'll let it be the Walden Hughes secret because I don't want people finding out where you live and stealing. That's true. Yeah. I'll tell you off air. No, it's fine. I don't need to know right now. I I, want to be surprised just like everybody else. That's true. That's true. Yes. Sounds like you're going to have some new shows to listen to that you never heard before. I think the whole world is going to have some new shows that no one has ever heard before. Yeah, but it sounds like you might actually get to hear them before the rest of the world, being <laughs> one of you know one of the Walden's close friends and air partners, right? Right, Walden. Okay. You're also my air buddy too. I know, I know. So I got a question for you, Patricia. I mean, I got trivia. Did you know that I think this is correct that one man's family, when it originally started on the air was actually, I think, was only heard on a few select stations on the West Coast. I think then it expanded to the West Coast. And when I think it finally went national, I think I remember reading that they had to, like, re, you know, re-summarize a lot of what had happened to get the rest of the country brought back up to speed. Is that your recollection, Walden? Well, what they did... It was done in a few stations, then it went on the West Coast, and then it was so popular in the West Coast, this was before the really uh, continental broadcast was popular, they sent a script to the East Coast, and they had a whole New York cast perform it. 
So they had two different casts and two different co doing the same script. Oh, okay. So that's what they, they were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. When did, did they do that right away, or did it take a little while? Uh, probably within a year or so. Yeah, because I know that, well, really? Because I thought that, that show came out, what, 32? Yeah. 32. Yeah. I mean, there were some national shows, and I know that originally when they when NBC first started in, like, 20, I know they say 26, but in the January of 27 and such, out west they had what they called, like, the Orange Network. Right. It, they did. Uh-huh. They had the orange, the red, blue, orange, yellow. I think there's a gold. It wasn't a gold. Yeah, there's a gold. Oh, right. Gold. Yeah, and it was like the supplementary legs of blue and red, I think. And I think what it was is because because it was so expensive, uh, because they didn't have the transcontinental, permanent transcontinental cable or something going across it. You know, it was very expensive them, for them to do um, shows across the, you know, it, they would do special hookups so they didn't have a permanent line or something right. that was available, and you know, where, where somebody could... Use it, so I think that they would recreate a lot of the shows in studios in San Francisco. That you know, some of the big dramas that were big back east redo the scripts on separate shows in the evening for a few stations out here. And and I think some, Bob Hudson, who's one of our honorary members up in Seattle, I think he had told me that while he was doing Little Orphan Annie out of San Francisco, that there was another one in Chicago doing the show for back back east. And, Correct. Correct. Uh, that's my trivia for you, Patricia. I don't answer. I only ask. Well, ask me one more, and then I'll get off the air so that all these lovely people can can get back in. Oh gosh! All right. Um, I don't need a prize. I just want I just want somebody to ask me a question. I'm lonely tonight. <laughs> You're lonely tonight. Would you please take me out of my misery? If you have not listened for the last six weeks, I have been asking who is District Attorney Markham associated with? Is this on radio? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Come on, Brian. You know. District Attorney Markham? Yes, you know this one. Well, it sounds familiar, but District Attorney Markham. You're not going to... Let's play double or nothing on this. Uh, well, no, because I've got a couple of ideas, but I'm not sure, because the first and I'll give you three guesses. Harry Mason is what I was thinking. You really have to pin his... One down. Back. One down. Hey, one down. <laughs> Two to go. Yeah, it sure sounds familiar. District Attorney Markham. Uh-huh. And does he have, like, a, a key word or something? No, this is a sidekick type thing. He was the number two character in a show. Who was the number one character? Who did he partner with? Well, I remember the character coming up in, like, the Gracie Allen murder case or something. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <clears throat> who is well, that? Would probably, oh, that would be Philo Vance. That's right. All right. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, District Attorney Markham needed Philo Vance to tell him how to solve every case. Yeah, because we have that book. I was remember looking through it the other because I was actually putting together the reps printed materials library not too long ago, and I came. We they have the book, the Gracie Allen murder case, and I remember that being one of the characters. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what what is this book that has you know that has Gracie Allen in it, but obviously it looks like a story. And I realized it was some kind of mystery, and I I forgot who it was until I was thinking, well, who was that? Oh, that's right, it was Philo Vance. Philo Vance. I, I didn't. I haven't read it. Have you ever read the story, the Gracie Allen murder mystery, or? 
No. Have you, Walden? Uh-uh. Nope, I have not. Well, we'll have to get it on books on tape and I'll <laughs> send it down to you. Are you going to read it to me? It's supposed to be. I thought it was supposed to be. I Sure, I'll read it to you. Oh, okay. You know, but I, it was supposed to be not, you know, I thought it would be some really cheesy book, but I, I think I read somewhere that it was actually not that, that bad of a story. And I think there's a Sam Spade episode that they both appear on, too. Or she does. Yeah. Isn't well, you know, Gracie Allen also appears on her show. That's what it is. She also appeared on, Info she also appeared on Information, Please. Who did? Right, and she did extremely well. Yep, Gracie Allen. She. Oh, Gracie Allen. She did really good on Information, Please. Uh huh. Yeah. Have you, do you, do you have you listened to a lot of those, Patricia? Oh yeah, Information, Please is one of my top shows. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean I I'm glad that uh, Martin Grams had written that book about it because I think until. You know, it was one of those shows when I first got into the hobby and that I'd heard about and, and I didn't really know, you know, there weren't really a lot out there, at least when you would look in the old, you know, radio publications, but I'm glad that there's more out there like on, you know, MP3s and in different mm -hmm. clubs, libraries. But it's, it's a great show. Um, super humor. Oscar Levant is one of my favorite all-time people, period. So having him on so many of the shows is a real joy for me to listen to. Have you ever um, gone on YouTube and watched his appearance on To Tell the Truth? Yes, yes. It, it's hard. Or no, was it To Tell the Truth or What's My Line? I think it's What's My Line. line. Uh, uh, what's My Line? Yeah, What's My Line. I mean, I thought that was maybe... Also, it, I, what sort of struck me is the time when he had his own TV show. And just, yeah, because he, he doesn't seem very telegenic. Well, he he felt totally unease when he had his own show. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. When he like even when he was on, uh, he he's he's. I mean, he visually he seems nervous in public. Do you get that too, Patricia? He it was his personality. Period. He had um, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. He had um, several mental breakdowns where he was hospitalized for periods of time and actually had shock therapy. So his entire person, what you saw in private was what you saw in public. Yeah. It, he had an extremely difficult life, but was also so incredibly productive. I mean, he was, he was a, a concert pianist, a producer, wrote scores for... Broadway shows, uh, was in the movies, on radio, had his own show on television, was a fabulous humorist when he was a guest on other... He had done nothing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really a heartbreaking thing. And if you can separate what you know about the person and simply enjoy and appreciate what you're listening to, it helps. Mm -hmm. And I Listen, yeah. and appreciate he's really a, a wonderful talent in so many areas. Yeah. How, do you have a bunch of those information please shows? Yes, I do. Yeah, they. Uh, so you've, you've you've actually have you've heard quite a few of them. Then it sounds like. Yeah. What what era do you, I mean, is there because the show ran for a pretty num good number of years? Do you have an era that you thought was superior? Or is it pretty consistent? 
It's fairly consistent. The early, early shows were like the, the first couple of months. We're not like 39 or so, 38, 39, something like that. What were the dates on this show, Walden? Do you know? 38 to uh, pretty much 48. Okay, so the 38 shows. Uh, when they first started the show, when it was first introduced, they had arrangements to take questions from the audience. So mm -hmm. someone in the audience would stand up and they'd stretch with a microphone and the person would ask the question and then uh, the the uh, panelists would have to try to answer. It was so protracted and so drawn out that by the time they got to the end of the first question, you were out looking for a cup of coffee. So the format changed dramatically very quickly. And uh, actually, um, Clifton Fadiman was not the first MC. And when Clifton Fadiman arrived on the scene, they had changed the format. So that's how they mm. got to the format that they started with. But I, it, it was just absolutely dreadful. Those first couple of shows were just... So, so how long did it last dreadfully? Dreadfully, uh, and of course I don't have all of the shows, but dreadfully, I would say probably a month, not more than that. Oh, okay. So it really, it really snapped into shape rather quickly then. Very quickly. It was obvious on that first show that what they had put together just was not going to work. Yeah, I've never heard that. I'm, yeah, Walden's going to have to play one of those sometime. Sure, I'd be happy to. I, you know what? I'd like to hear one of the early ones. I, I, I do, I, <laughs> I, and I think I do have those. I think I played one a long time ago. I think once, and you know, they didn't set on the, uh, the panel. They were rotating different panel people until they just sort of came up with the right combinations. And that took a few, that took a few trials. Um, you know, they, they had Frank and Pete Adam pretty quickly. By a few broadcasts, they picked up John Tunin. And then by the 12th episode, they picked up Oscar Vance. So it took a little while for them to finally come up with the right combination mm. to make this work. Yeah, and then the guest people were always very interesting, too. Yeah. Like we had Orson Welles on there, or Fred Allen, or, you know. Oh, my God. Fred Allen was in his element on that show. Yeah. Yeah, he could have been a regular on that. I mean, he could have been the regular guy. Huh? And and he should have been. How did you have you ever heard? Uh, it's a very short-lived radio show. I was curious, curious if you ever heard it. Have you ever heard um, the Circle? I don't even know if any of those exist. Do you know if any of those even exist, Walden? Uh huh. They do. I see them in Spurvac, 1939. It was sort of a panel Hollywood show. I seen Groucho Marx and Ronald Coleman, different people like that appeared on that. It was basically, my understanding is, it was basically an early staff radio doing a, a talk show that would become popular, you know, 12 years later when they start doing things like The Tonight Show mm -hmm. and things like that. And what we have, you know, those guest celebrity shows. But back then on radio, it just didn't seem to be, it just went down. It didn't seem to draw the, the audience. Well, they, they didn't click on the right format to make it work, you know. It, Really? What was, so. what was lacking? I don't know. Maybe with the maybe with the topic, and maybe they didn't want, they made the actors didn't feel as comfortable to uh, to talk. Oh, so maybe it was so they would actually have a specific topic they were supposed. Uh huh. They were throwing different topics. Yeah. Oh, I see. So it wasn't like you know they would just come in and talk and just have. So it was a very. It wasn't similar so much then to like a Tonight Show where they'd come in and just no, chat. No. After that. It was actually more of like a round table for celebrities. Right, right. You know, 
the Tonight Show was a little more uh, relaxed. It was more off the cuff, while this one, you could tell it was, it was st- you know, prepared. Script, prepared, scripted. Uh-huh. Everything they said was, it wasn't, so I see, so it wasn't even spontaneous. No. Well, at least, if it was, it, the, 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 the personality they grabbed didn't make it work. Yeah. If it was spontaneous, it sounded like the people were very uh, protective in what they said. That very, very chose their words carefully or something. Absolutely. So what have you been doing, Brian? Well, nobody cares what I've been doing. There, This is quiz night. Oh. If you come, if you come to Seattle uh, in a week, we're gonna have quiz night in, in Seattle at the at the reps meeting. If Larry Albert's gonna come back to to do quiz time, you gotta come out. Oh, is that gonna be the program in October? Yeah. You're not gonna do it in November. Well, we don't. We usually do it in like the spring. I know. Since we don't have a meeting and it's a week away, Larry just agreed to do it. That's our filler. <laughs> But it's a good one. It's a pretty popular show. We always have a good time doing that. He kind of does the Patricia thing. You know, gets in there, get you know, ask, ask people a bunch of questions. Get we give away stuff. It's gonna be fun. We should call it the, you know, the the localized. You know, per, what do you guys call this Saturday night? Shindig that you guys are doing. Is it the Patricia uh, Quiz Time Show? I mean, what is it? What's the name? You know what? You 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 now eligible to be become become part of the fan club. Okay. I need to know the name of it, though. You, I thought it was just a Saturday night show. That wasn't the question. Walton <laughs> oh. has this wonderful um, ability to divert attention. I asked him a stump Walden question one night, and he didn't know the answer, but he knew everything around the answer. So we got the names, the dates, the history, <laughs> everything except the answer. Well, and he just kept talking. Yeah. Well, Kim had three titles. For the show? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. Yeah, she had, well, and again, she, maybe she cleaned up the website a little bit. <laughs> but she had three different titles. They are lovingly referred as The Saturday Show. Okay. I've heard that one. The Cinnamon Journey. Yeah. Or my, my favorite, which it really encompassed the whole show, Until the Cow Come Home. Yeah, well, that's... Until the cows come home. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. I refer, and that's not referring to you and Patricia. No, it's just referring to uh, hours that we keep. Oh, okay, okay. Until the cows come home. And actually... We're broadcasting on, on, out on the farm. It's and but, until the cows go out. The cows, yeah. Hmm. Home in the evening, and they go out in the morning. So I think yeah. we flip it in the barn here. Did you know, yeah. Brian, that... Yeah, did, I guess we could have the barn dance here. That's true. Did you know we have a fan club, Brian? Yeah, is it on Facebook? No, we have an actual fan club. Madam, okay, what, in New York, he started a fan club for us. Who did? Lucy in New York. Oh, okay, I've heard her, yes. Mm-hmm. Huh? Well, she started a fan club for us. We've got a fan club, so now... You are automatically well, a member. The third time, I'll give it another try. What is the name? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have one. Maybe that, okay. that would be a good contest and ask people to send in suggestions. What should we call the show? That's a good point. But fan club is Wapat. I was going to say, is it Wapat? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or yep. Powell? Powell? Yep. 
So show us in your membership card, Brian. You will have a membership and everything. Yep. And an official number. And in order to remain a member in good standing, you have to be upstanding. So you have to be on your best behavior or you'll have your card rescinded. I, you know, I, I will. And so where do you send away for these? Uh, you just set up the Yesterday USA. Uh, no, Patricia has one rule. Yeah. You have what's, to, my, what's my rule? So you have to call into the show. Oh, you have to call the show, of course. Yeah. have to call and say hi. You're yes. automatically a member. And we have not had a night where someone called and didn't want to play trivia with us. So... Uh, your card will be tucked in with your uh, with your CD. So, so, so you've never had a night where somebody calls and does not want to play trivia? Uh, a new person. So like um, when you call next week or the week after or whenever you want to call, you're already a member. So you might say, I don't want to play. What I you? got you. But a new person always wants to play. Uh-huh. We've never had someone turn us down. Thank you. Really? St. Patricia... Uh, co-hosted with me on Saturday, we have had calls from 27 different states, Brian. Yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed it's a lot, a lot of people calling. I know. It's the charm and the it, town of Patricia. I'm just, it used to be very charming. I used to call up and I would hear, you know, about, you know, four interesting calls. I, I, could, I could carry her golf clubs. And, and you'd go to, like, through McGee and Molly. Mm-hmm. And I tuned in the next week and it was six calls. And then you'd go to through McGee and Molly. Mm-hmm. Then you do Thurmagee and Molly after every eight calls, and I don't hear Thurmagee and Molly at all anymore. You're so dang popular. <laughs> well, a couple of times uh, we have served breakfast. People said goodnight to us, called and said goodnight, and then called when they got up and they were making the coffee. Oh, that's for you East Coasters, all right? Um, yes, that's correct. Yeah, because so like, it would be like 3 o'clock or something. Right. Well, we'd, right, yeah. well we've been here until... Six on a couple of occasions, and wow, Walden. Yeah, well, six my time anyway, um, and that would be three o'clock Walden's time. So that's, that's right. pretty late. My time too. My time too. That Pacific time zone just straddles that whole West Coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But you guys have a d- delightfully charming show. I listen to it all the time. And uh, Walden, I love the fact that you guys give away stuff, too, because I think you're the only guys out there giving away stuff right now. Well, it's fun that it's, it's video all... shows we're giving away. I mean, I take that back. You guys are the only ones that are giving away, um, you know. It's Patricia. Stimu- stimu- stimulus to the regular Joe. It's Patricia. She does all the work. This is not mass distribution. It is fun stuff, but it's a fun way to. It is. It is. It is. Did now do, is is shows. What what's your favorite? Is Silver Gia Molly still your favorite show? Oh gosh, um, I I would have to say yes, but if you talk to me tomorrow, it might be something different. I'm in, I've oh. in a Sherlock Holmes mode, so I've been yeah. a lot of Sherlock Holmes, and uh, I have a couple of shows that I just located and didn't even know about some of them are british shows and um so i i've just i've got this whole collection i i got boris karloff reading uh narrating stories and children's stories now you just is that like a album from an album record or is that really a radio show yeah no um from albums 
Mm. Patricia, I got another guest idea for you. Another guest idea. Well, I'm, I'm working on Boris Karloff for one second. And that's the, the that's guest? The, that's the guest. Too late for that. No, no, I'm thinking of his daughter. His daughter, Sarah. Oh. Why not have her on the 30th oh. of October? You do have her on the 30th? No, why don't we have her on the 30th? Oh, wow. You know, you exchange you email for her, though. I do. I have her email address. And I'm just throwing out an idea. Where does she live? She's in the, in the West Coast. Okay, so she's in the States, then. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I, Bill and I had her on about eight, nine years ago. So and she, she does still do um, conventions, uh -huh. personal appearances, and she's she's very active, lovely lady. So that that would be fun. That's an idea. I I will pop an email to okay. her and uh, ask if she would consider being our guest. Yeah, I think that, I think some people like that. I think that would be delightful. I, and and so is that? Were you guys doing like a Halloween special? Oh, no, not necessarily so, but. It, it seems appropriate to have Boris Karloff's daughter near Halloween, but that's that's his, I want to say public perception. I mean, he, he played the monster for so many movies and is the most memorable person in that kind of a role, but it wasn't really who he was, so we might be doing him a disservice I mean, I've got all of these wonderful children's stories here, the legend is like that. That's what I mean. Why not why, why not we do something totally different? She's probably you doing the horror stuff with yeah. him. Let's just do something totally different, make it personal, and the children's stuff. And but he has, but that's all the good things. That's the stuff that I remember, you know, like the Grinch. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, the, uh, I remember him, you know, on all those spooky inner sanctum shows as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he was living up. I mean, that's they were capitalized. The early Inner Sanctum shows were really capitalizing on his horror celebrity, and that's why he was being. My understanding is why he was on the shows a lot. You know, and you know the creep, the sure. wailing wall, he, or something. He was a guest on Information, please. He, you know, he. Door of Doom. Yeah, I heard one where he said, this was the cause of Doom. <laughs> oh, and it was Inner Sanctum. Anyways, Information, please. Was he? Yeah, but that's not in his mode of being uh it was an interesting person. situation with information please because he was scheduled for a friday the 13th ah very interesting however at the time he agreed to appear on the show he did not realize it was friday the 13th and he withdrew he said he, he did not do these kinds of things he was superstitious mm, so he withdrew yeah. You know, it's interesting. I saw something years ago, probably about 20 years ago. They were running, I think it was uh, TNT, was running like a Man from Uncle Marathon. And he, there was, and which I remember, but there was also this really bad spinoff of the show called The Girl from Uncle. I don't know if you remember it or not with Stephanie Powers. But Boris, where this is going, this connects here. Boris Karloff played a character on The Girl from Uncle called Mother Muffin. It was called the Mother Muffin Affair, and you know I, I remember being pretty humorous, and basically it was I don't know I shouldn't even talk about it because I don't remember it that well. I just remember him all in this in this um, wardrobe whatever dressed as like a, a dowdy old lady, 
you know, and they called it, she was, he was calling himself Mother Muffin, and there were some other henchmen with him going, Mother Muffin is, yes, my, you know, it was just really, it was pretty funny, if I remember right. But if you ever happen to see the girl from Uncle on TV, if it ever runs, just look for Boris Karloff and the Mother Muffin affair. I will look for Boris Karloff, but I, I do think if we have an opportunity to talk with Sarah Karloff, that an approach to other parts of his life that are not as highly visible or talked about as much as he was with the horror stories and the, um, the monster. Well, he was in westerns. He was in everything. He was in... Yeah, he did some classics. And, you know, was there anything about his life that's interesting that's not related to Hollywood? Uh, one of the things is his volunteer work with children. He did an awful lot of work with children. And he's not, it, he's not the person you would choose. If you had ten people lined up, he, he is not the most likely character you would pick to have done so much volunteer work with children only because of the kinds of roles he played. Not because of the person he is, but because nobody knew the person he was. Well, yeah, but I think isn't there, a, like, quite a few people that were, like, I mean, some of them obviously were troubled that were horror stars, and he didn't, like, um, gosh, is it Lon, what, was it Lon Chaney, who was Dracula? Lon Chaney? Oh, uh, no, it's, uh, no, um, Bela Lugosi. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of a troubled, troubled right. individual, right. correct? Yeah. I mean, didn't he have, like, alcoholism and, and other issues? Maybe I'm miscorrect. I don't know, but I thought I read that somewhere. But some of them, I'm trying to think, there's a couple, there was another guy that was in a lot of horror films, kind of as a, always played the villain, who kind of was from Britain and had some kind of um, disease that made, or I don't know if it was a disease, condition that made his face very... Um, Oh, I can't think of the name. I could look it up, but it some kind of, you know, that made the, the head, the face very big and kind of menacing. And, and he, a lot of times, was cast in a lot of roles in the villain because of his physical appearance. But apparently in, in, in real life, he was like the sweetest, gent, most gentleman, gentlemanly person. Yeah. No. Sounds like, sounds like. Not even English. Agromeglia. Does that sound right? That, yes, 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 yes. I believe that's it. Correct. Do you know which character I'm talking about? No. Or which actor? Okay, but well, you're correct. I believe that is what it is. Oh. And there's another there's another guy that does movies today that when I was a younger individual, there was this really B horror film out there called The Hill. I think it was called The Hills Have Eyes or something. And there's a guy in there that has a condition that makes him look very... Uh, you know, makes him good for a horror movie, basically. And he's, I mean, I've seen him in interviews and, and on YouTube at conventions. He's the nicest, um, sweetest guy. But boy, in those movies, he sure is creepy. And that's the highly visible person you see. And they tend, uh, everybody who plays a role tends to be identified with that role. Yeah. <clears throat> we you know, if you're in the William Conrad earlier, yeah, William Conrad will always be. Matt Dillon to radio listeners. Yes. Yes. But boy, James Arnest did it a lot longer, though. Not true. He did it a lot longer on television, but when you hear... Yes. How many years? Boy, 20. Anyone, anyone who listens to a range of old-time radio shows will hear his voice in one show and immediately associate him with Gunsmoke. Here's a good, yes. here's a good one. Patricia asked this from Nolan. I think you're a good one to ask. What three voices 
that really you think are very special in old-time radio? You asking me or Patricia? You. Which three voices do I think are special in old-time radio? Um, you know which one comes to mind right away? And she didn't just do radio. She also did um, some classic Disney shows. Verna Felton. Dennis might have. Uh-huh. Yeah, because there's just, there's something in her voice that lends, that is a very, you know right away it's Verna Felton. And she plays this brash mother like nobody else can. Mm-hmm. Do your grandma, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there is just comedy in her delivery. Like, you know, it, it's burnt. When you think of some of those lines that are read mm-hmm. on paper, they're not that funny all the time. But her delivery makes it funny, at least to me. You know, like Junior. I mean, even like I mean, I'd forgotten that she was also Junior's um, grandmother. But you know, think about every time. You know, she's the one that made all those lines funny, where she's like, Junior, Junior, don't be playing out in the street. You know, a car might hit you, and you might bend, you know, bend its fender or something, you know, or something like that, or you know, and you know, by today it would just the way she delivered it was so funny. Did you ever? Are you? Do you listen to Red Skelton at all, Patricia? I do sometimes. It's not my favorite show, but I wouldn't pass up an opportunity to listen once in a while. Yeah, it, I liked Extremely it well when I was first getting into radio. Then I fell out of it. But you know how I got that, how I fell back into it in the last couple of years? Because for the reps convention, we got a very talented guy that plays, that can really do a pretty spot-on Junior the Mean Little Kid. Brian. And so I'm going, what's that? Brian Hendrickson? You got it, right. Yeah, yeah he's done Junior for us a couple of times on yes, a show. He has. And so when you hear, so when you go through listening to all these sketches that you know Brian's going to play, he might even be listening tonight for all I know. Is, is that he? Uh, you get you get into the humor, and when he, when they've recreated them for the conventions, it's like, boy, they're actually pretty funny, you know. They're some of them. funny. They're very funny. I would like an entire album of Junior. Just yes, yes, that's... and I think that's what it is. Junior, there's certain skits, and also we also he also did or Larry did it, and I think Brian's done a few times. The, the Clem Cadill Hopper. Mm-hmm. You know, here I am. I think that's that one. You know, and he comes in, and and you you realize, you know, they're they're funny if you got the right the right one. Some people, it's corny, but it's funny. Yes, and you used the word delivery earlier. It is delivery. Look at Lorraine Tuttle, for example. Yes, um, that's a voice too. That's a classic voice of radio too. She was all over the place in her performances, from serious lover to. Mm-hmm. squirrely epic and she pulled it off she could pull it off with all of those voices but the lines she delivered would have been nothing had they come out of somebody else's mouth no correct you know and with thinking about the question was actually you know um classic voices of radio now true classic voices of course are william conrad you know mm-hmm. um you know, because he's the big announcer. You could say Orson Welles, you know, when he, but he wasn't exclusively radio, of course, but, you know, he, but I mean, I'd say Bill Conrad. Um, geez, this is tough. Oh, you know who else? Um, the name is Casey right now. He's right on the top of, oh, Joseph Kearns. Uh-huh. The man in black or Ed, Ed and Jack Benny's vault. That might yeah. help people. Yeah, Joseph Kearns. 
you know, Mel Blanc, you know, did mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, I don't know. What, 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 if you were going to give a couple, what would your idea be? I don't know. Patricia, Patricia, no, Patricia, give yours. I think you, you got a really wonderful nomination to the list. Okay. You're asking me? Uh-huh. Remember, you gave out your your nomination. I put John Daner at the top. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. You were talking about that earlier, about mm-hmm. you can hear his voice coming. No matter you know. what he did, it was a high-class act that yes. absolutely fit the role he was in. I love Walter Tetley, I guess, you know? Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, there's something that Tetley could do. That I guess you know I guess like you know yeah, what, Mr. Harris. You know, anytime he came on the on the mic, you knew you were gonna get a great performance. Oh yes. Hey, do do that again, Patricia. Hiya, Mr. Harris. Yeah, you're pretty yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia Abruzzo. You know, yeah. We funny. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story about uh, Walter Tetley. I mean, this guy was a guy that fascinated me, and when when I read the book about him a couple of years ago, it was put out. It was it was you know, and, and that's one of the things about the internet. When I got on the internet and got exposed yesterday, USA and the Old Time Radio Digest, when we all were in there and got to answer some of our questions and find out about people that you know we didn't really know much about, and Walter Tetley was somebody that I learned about because when I very when I was growing up in Obviously, was I was not alive in 1962 or 63 when Bullwinkle was out or some whatever 64, but I in the early 70s I did you know and even up to seven or 76 77 I remember seeing as a very young kid you know these Bullwinkle shows and there was this character in there called uh, Sherman and he went with Mr. Peabody and it was obviously you know Walter Tetley's voice mm-hmm. and you know we're talking 1960s. Mm-hmm. Then when I started hearing like old time radio, I started hearing, particularly I remember hearing um, Phil Harris and Alice Faye, and here's this guy playing Julius um, on on the show, and I'm like, gosh, that sounds like that sounds like the same kid, because you know I thought it was a, a young kid, uh-huh. you know maybe not that young, but you know, and I'm thinking, is that possible? Forty nine to that's like fifteen years different. Wait, how did he do that? But then, then the one that really floored me is years, a couple years later after hearing that, because I'm thinking, okay, I guess he could have been like 15 and or 12, 15, and then maybe he was just 30 affecting. Uh, I mean, I don't know. But then when I got heard like a really early Fred Allen show from the early 30s, a Santa Claus one, mm-hmm. and uh, he's playing like one of the kids in the uh, in the sketch. I'm like, what? That's 30 years difference now. What is, what is this guy? You know, I mean, it's like, because, you know, he's, he's so believable as this person. It can't be the same person because he'd have to be like 30 years older later on, you know. And, yeah. and, and of course, he stayed the same age or, or virtually the same age in the Great Gildersleeve. Leroy. Exactly. Always Leroy. Exactly. No matter, you know, like Marjorie could keep, well, Marjorie's age was pretty, you know, illogical, actually. When the show started, she seemed like she was early, you know, 18, 19, you know, early 20s. He seemed like an adult person played by Lorene Tuttle. Uh-huh. And and then a couple years later, she's completely young, like a teenage girl, you know, out there running around in 40, you know, when it was uh, Louise Erickson. And then all of a sudden she, now, so she's running, she's reduced her age to, I would say, 16. And then she's playing there, then she, when it goes into the Mary Lou, Mary Lou Robb years, now she's having babies and and... They're now getting older, the babies are, 
and all this time, Leroy's maybe aged a year or two. Right, right. He just, you know, he he was a pillar of the show. If he left, yeah. it would have crumbled. Well, that's kind of like, you know, there's a show now I saw, I, I don't watch it, but I got watched it maybe 20 years ago. There's a show on TV now that I'm seeing things in, on, on AOL when I sign on. It's talking about The Simpsons now 20 years old, you know, and and what, that's kind of the way Leroy was on the Gildersleeve is that in The Simpsons, these characters, because they're cartoons, can basically remain the same age, the same whatever. Because really, if those were actors that started in 1989 playing Bart and Lisa, and I mean, Dad would be about 70 and Bart would be about 45, <laughs> you know, and people would have lost interest in the show. That's kind of the way radio, because the cartoons, they can keep those same ages. In radio, Leroy was basically the kind of similar to the cartoon in the sense that he never had to age. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing somebody pointed out, and I never thought about it, and I was just thinking a bit about it when you were talking about, and that's the difference between old-time radio and new radio. I think all our famous comedy shows have very distinctive voices. So we knew who each people was. Fibber McGee Molly had a complete set mm-hmm. of voices. Gildas, where he had it. Phil Harris, Armand Brooks. And that's what's lacking when you hear a new drama today. They don't have all those distinct range of voices in the cast. Mm-hmm. They also had the same characters week after week after week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So also, Miss, if we're going to talk about modern radio, the one thing we, we is honest about is the fact that modern radio pretty much sticks with drama. Because mm-hmm. comedy is just... They don't try They don't try comedy. Well, because comedy, have you ever heard... Um, I mean, comedy is totally built on great talent. I mean, I mean you have to you have to have timing. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good a good you have to have good comedy. I mean anybody can write a story about a I shouldn't say anybody. I'm not meaning to demean drama because there's good drama and there's bad drama, but you can have any anybody write a story about a detective going out and having them finding a murder and it, I mean a lot of them don't make sense in the end anyways. But, you know, if somebody you people can follow a plot with you, and you know some people be turned off, and some people like it based on you know the quality of the writing. But at the end, at least it comes off, and it's still a drama, where there's a good drama. But with comedy, you can have a really dud show if there's no time, even if your script is absolutely funny. We've seen that in some of the recreations mm-hmm. over the years that you can take an old radio comedy, and if you've got the wrong cast, it falls flat because there's no timing. Well, take that, take that same. You know, today where you've got like an, maybe an amateur writing the comedy ske- sketch and amateurs performing it or people that aren't you accustomed to do, I shouldn't say amateurs, but maybe people aren't accustomed to doing radio comedy and you don't have the same quality of show. I can't, I, mean, I have not heard anything, any recreation to date on radio that was a comedy that would match the quality of production that you'd hear in a film again, Molly, or, mm-hmm. you know, and until you've heard somebody do a, a recreation that's trying to match that, you don't really understand how much talent really is behind those shows. Yes. In, in general terms, the two most difficult genres of writing are children and humor. And people yeah. you know, they, they say, what? You know, I mean, you can be funny. Or I'll, I want to write for adults, so I'll start with kids. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, those are the two most difficult and hardest to pull off 
not only because it takes such precision, as you said, it, the, there's a rhythm, there's timing, um, you, you've got to have the correct word, not a set of words. It's tight writing. Uh, it, it has to be, it is a highly specialized field, and it comes with the challenge that humor is an individual thing. What you laugh at, I might not necessarily see as funny. Correct. Correct. Everybody in the audience had to, had to be entertained by the comedy. I was thinking, the last major attempt, I know Freebird did some, but um, I'm just thinking of, of a regular radio series. During the Sears, Mystery, Sears Radio Theater days, the late 70s, oh, yeah. early 80s, uh, Henry Morgan came down, the comedian, he and he wrote his own material. Did he? And he wrote his own show, One Hour Broadcast. But he, he said it was the hardest thing for him to do, considering all he made was $500. And he said it's the same kind of effort he put into that radio script and television would have gotten him 5000 Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. I, it was one interesting comment, me reading re, me reading it after, we, after he did the show. I've heard, you know, there's lots of comments about that, too, you know, in a lot of fields, because they're, that's kind of, even Larry Alberts told me that, too, that, you know, there could be a guy, you know, they'll get a writer, and he will do one show, and then he says, I'd love to do more for you, but I need to talk some real money, and they'll say, well, this is all we have um, for Imagination Theater, and, you know, it's radio, it doesn't have this big budget, and the guy's like, well, she's I could write the same story for television, and pay my rent <laughs> for a month or two, you know? And so, yeah, it's, 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 you know, pretty, the money's not there to create. And when I was younger, I used to think, gosh, with 300 million people in this country and how many writers, how come people won't just do it for the love of it? Well, you can for a while, but when you realize that, you know, we're all, our life, our life is too short and you got to work. And when you start thinking about, Hey, you know, if I can write the same script and sell it to, television or Hollywood or even as a short story in a magazine, I'll get paid a lot more than if I write it for, you know, a radio show. And I think there's also, I think a lot of times people, I hate to say it, but I think there's some truth to this. I think sometimes people are afraid that it will, if they're right, if their work is found on a show that's a radio show or something that's, you know, not, you know, let's say you got a right guy who's writing for CSI, you know, watching 19 million, watched by 19 million people. So he decides, oh, I'll write one for, for radio. It's got a, you know, limited audience. And then these people are like, hmm, hear his name on the show. Oh, is that what he's reduced to doing these days? Yeah, yeah I don't know. doesn't have the prestige that a visual medium has. You're right. You know, exactly. Because I know that a lot of celebrities it's um, worry about what or... vehicles they're in. Say that again, please. Oh, I said a lot of celebrities, a celebrities, worry about what vehicles that they allow their name to be attached to because they're afraid that if, if there's not enough notoriety to it, it you know reduces their celebrity. Yeah. There's something, I hope you can stay with us through the Fibber McGee and Molly show, the first one that we're going to be playing later. There's a line in there that matches up beautifully with what you were talking about in terms of delivery of lines. Fibber is talking to a customer at uh, Kramer's Drugstore, and the guy wants to buy birdseed. The line that Fibber delivers to that customer is incomparable. 
it could not be duplicated, it could not be replaced, and it could never be as funny if it were delivered differently. Hmm. So you have to listen. You have to listen to the guy who wants birdseed. Well, I, you know, I think I, we might have, is that like one that was done around Christmas time? No. No, it wasn't. It's, um... March 25th, 1952? Yeah. Oh, okay. And our, our friend Gloria McMillan and Gil Stratton are on the show. Yes, okay. Because well, I remember one that um, Sheila was doing, and there's one where where Fibber was going in, and I think it was getting looking for Christmas trees or something. Oh yes. Doesn't he run into some guy selling? <clears throat> what is it? What is he guy? He's, there's some other guy selling something else that maybe I'm thinking of. I don't know. Do you remember what I'm talking well, about? Well, there's two, two. There's a couple of different ones. Um, one where he wants the Christmas tree painted white. And the other one in 43, when he's trying to buy a Christmas tree, and he can't, they're all disappearing on him before he can buy it. Yeah, I think that's the one I'm thinking of. And doesn't he end up talking to one of the store clerks or something that that's selling, I thought they were selling fertilizer or something, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have to go back and listen. And I'm definitely going to listen to this one. This, this Fimmergy and Molly, do you have a, one last question? I'm Fimmergy and Molly. Mm-hmm. have like an era of Fimmergy and Molly that you like the best? Yes. I like um, the middle 1940s best and the later 1940s. But if if I had to pick particular years, I would go from 44 to 48. Yeah. Is there a reason for it? I mean, is it just better writing? Do you think there's characters in there you like better? Yes, yes, and yes. I think the the humor was sophisticated. I think they were absolutely on stride with each other. Uh, the characters um, were back after 1945, the ones who had disappeared for service. Everybody was yeah. back in their places. Um, but the, I think the show had matured. It was using the fine wine analogy. It had been in the cask long enough that it mellowed and it was, it was just, they hit stride, and it was a perfect presentation. It took them that long. Of, I think it took What do you think about the 15-minute shows? <clears throat> the 15-minute shows are painful for me to listen to. Why do you feel that way? The um, Fibber and Molly themselves are, are sounding very tired. Um, they, they don't yeah. have the spark. I'm convinced that the two of them, Jim and Mary and Jordan, were built to perform in front of an audience. And by taking away the audience for those 15-minute shows, they took away the show. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it just seemed like, yeah, I, I think it, who knows, maybe they were, were those live, Walden, or were those like pre-recorded shows? No, pre-recorded, because in, by um, the spring of uh, 53, uh, Molly had some more heart trouble. Mm-hmm. And so they were, I, I wonder, partly they, when they went to record it in 53, the fall, it was due to her health. That's just a guess on my part. Yeah, that could it be. Might... I know the, what I have. I'll tell you what issue I have with the 15-minute shows, because I can't really remember whether they're funny or not. I suppose that if if that's all I knew was those 15-minute shows, and maybe with the death of radio looming, the fact that you had 15 minutes, five nights a week of fibber and jumping in, mm-hmm. your Molly coming into your house, your radio, mm-hmm. so it's nice to have them there, 
but what the issue I have with it is that, you know, when you go back and you hear the glory days with the big orchestra and the audience and just the infectious laughter, it really feels, it's almost sad to listen to them because you're like, gosh, the glory days are over here. You know, it's like, what? how did this show, this huge, big, top-rated entertainment show end up like this? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. Walden and I have talked about that a little bit at different times, that perhaps I am ultra-spoiled from having listened to perfection, years' worth of shows, and then slip into 15-minute shows without an audience, without most of the support characters that were so integral to the success of the show, and some of the 15-minute shows were reprocessed old scripts. Not all of them, but many of them had storylines and even lines repeated from the early years. So it, it lacked crisp. It wasn't crisp. It wasn't fresh. Sibber and oh, Molly it's... weren't having fun. They always had fun on the half-hour audience shows. They simply weren't having fun. She yeah, I know that, obviously, when you go back and you look at, you know, like Walden can do with his new TV guide collection, you can go back there and look at the 50s and see all these exciting things happen on television, and I could see where, you know, it was all brand new and everything. Matter of fact, I was in my car the other day, and they were playing, I don't know what station I was listening to, but it was obviously an early, I assume it was an early 50s song, but something about um, this lady getting the brand new television, it was kind of a, you know, something like, you know, radio was great. But it's, and now it's out of date with something about, it was a song about TV. Have you ever heard that one, Walden? No, no, I, I have not. That's yeah, I, I don't know who it was. It kind of sounded like an Ella Fitzgerald. Uh-huh, it, well, yeah, yeah. But, it, but I thought, I thought, oh, isn't that just uh, sad that they actually had a song out there about it? Demise of Radio. But it's like, um, but in the 50s, were there any, sh- I mean, obviously, I don't know the Dimension X, X minus one that a lot of people are, but as far as comedy shows, are there any comedy shows that lasted, that you think, that either of you guys think were, you know, mid-50s were still producing a pretty good quality show considering the era that they were being produced in? Yes. <laughs> that was the I, I, think, I think Phil Harris' out of phase in 54 was still was strong. They still, I had, agree. It, they I still thought, had that together. No. Yeah, and I and, you know, I thought it was a much different show, but I actually myself, other people will totally disagree with me on this. I actually kind of listened to the Edgar, I like listened to the Edgar Bergen Tower in the mm-hmm. 56. Mm-hmm. It was a different show, but it was still kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, not in the same, you know, vein as, you know, the top rated, but I'm trying to think as far as comedy shows, Benny was still on until 55. I thought he was still reasonably good because um, he had some characters. It was starting to sound a little bit more canned. Yeah, something about the last season of Benny just doesn't seem like it'd be quite on the game to me. Seemed like about yeah, after... Yeah, about the last Yeah, season. about after 52, it seemed to have a little bit of a drop-off. Yeah, I agree. And mm-hmm. too, yeah. Um, but what about Gildersleeve? Do you think that was pretty strong all the way to the end? I think so. I disagree. I think once... Oh. I think once they had the babies, and especially the foundling baby, it went... The what baby? Um, the foundling baby, the one that just showed up in the show. In 48. The name the, con- name the baby con. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a bomb. And when Marjorie got married and suddenly they had twins, it didn't fit. 
It didn't fit the format. And you had Bronco. Bronco. Was Bronco uh-huh. just a little bit too much for you? It, it was the... It was the script. It was the scene. It was the setting. It was everything. The show began with a niece and a nephew and an uncle who was going to take care of them, and he was a bit of a rake and was a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Get to Marjorie having twins, and we've got something the equivalent of a grandfather in uh, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, and the entire balance of the show went out the window. You know, one of the one of the mortal sins that you can do with any kind of a show, including a television show, is to introduce, after the show has established itself, is to introduce a child or a dog. You don't do it. And they did. Yeah, usually they do. In television, they generally do it because of the child actors have gotten older and you know like Brady Bunch as they started getting older Cousin Oliver came to visit mm-hmm. and the show died and and then uh, six episodes later and then you know I've heard I didn't see anything happened with my three that. sons but did you did you love the new additions as much as you loved the former characters no of course not you know and 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 a lot of times and it's a little bit it always is contrived too it's like Mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden you know i mean think in growing pains they did it too i think they adopted two kids and i think in if i remember right there's when i They became yeah. other things. Leroy became not only a kid, but an uncle. Yeah. Marjorie was a wife and a mother. Gildersleeve had two babies to get. Yeah, my understanding was that Dick Beals needed a job. <laughs> I, it, I, it's not something I can talk about. I, didn't, I don't know what you mean. Dick, Dick Beals played one of the twins. So Brian's just being a little sarcastic. He, 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 thought, because Dick that. Need, he thought Dick needed a job. That's why they wrote the characters in. Yeah. He's just being funny. Well, um, we had infants there as well. And uh, when the infants came in, the the core of the show was diluted. That, that's the yeah. best word I can come up with, is that somebody took this wonderful flavored um, dessert and just watered it down, and it leaked out into all different areas. There was nothing solid about the show any longer. Everything. I agree, because I've had, you know, I mean, I've learned to really enjoy the show, but there were periods, I, when I first heard it, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Then I started to, like, not like it, but then I realized, because they kept airing, I used to listen to a radio series on the radio called The Golden Age of Radio Theater. I think you used to have Victor Ives in it or something, and he played a lot of um, old-time excuse me, a lot of Gildersleeve on his old-time radio show. But it seems like he's always airing, you know, airing the same same one or something, because I always remember Gildersleeve would always spend the last 15 minutes of the show singing. And I'm like, you know, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean maybe you could appreciate it, but I'm not really a big fan of the shows where he sings all through the show. I don't know. Am I exaggerating, Walden? Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's, that's nothing new. I'm on Brian's side on this one. I love, maybe I appreciate Hal Perry's talent. I'm with Shirley Mitchell. You, 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 okay. I'm with Shirley Mitchell. 
I love. I think he's a great singer too. But I mean, they should have given him fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes on Sunday afternoon. Well, again, he. So, again, there was one song that was written, and they had a name the song contest. Right. Yeah. In '49. Every single show. That's right. Over, yes. Over. Yes. That's the era that I was like, oh my. Yeah. Even well, that's they not, were playing. That's true. Yeah, so it, it's but, not wearing. But, but wow. if, if during the war, he had his love song, Speak to Me a Love. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And to Leela. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, he was singing to Leela, and that's right. fine. You know, and you know, it's funny is that when I... But I love, the jo- I love the Jolly Boys when they got together. That was fine. Not always. <laughs> it was okay. You know, the show's going along great. There's something coming at it, and also the Jolly Boys got interrupted all just to do a song. You know, it's like, okay. They were always... That was my feeling growing up. Well, maybe just my musical background. I don't know. Well, we all have musical background, but, you know, there's a time and a place for people to get together and sing. Not in the middle of, a, not in the middle of Leroy's Dilemma. Maybe the writers didn't know where to go. Well, I could have told him where. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go with the torpedoes again. <laughs> well, that's why a lot of people cannot understand why Fibber McGee and Molly had two songs in every show for the hay- most of the heyday. A lot uh, of people wish they dropped the music completely, but I think the way Don Quinn wrote, he painted it that way. Yeah. I, I, I never had that, you know, that I've never had the feeling in the in Fibbergy and Molly that, oh, sorry, get this music over. Because you know why? Because the songs were whimsical and short. You know, they, they came on, had a little ditty, you know, put another nickel in, in the Nickelodeon, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-
the Leela Gildersleeve feud used to go on a little bit too long. Or not the feud, but the the chemistry sometimes would go on a little bit too long. Yeah, the flirtations. But you know, I think it was it was appropriate for that time and that audience. They were ready for that. I think we see it with a a different and perhaps even jaded viewpoint because it was an era that we'll never recapture. It's yeah, it was- I enjoy and I like the Leela character. Don't get me wrong. I think I was jaded when I what I'm saying now is because I think what's what was happened, Walden. Because I don't have these same feelings so much now. I think they kept. Uh, maybe I was listening to the same four episodes over and over again on this station. Maybe that was the problem. You know, I don't know. All I know is you turn it on. I love, and, and he's singing the same song again. And you're like, oh, gee, you know, and. Yeah. Love the Leela interactions. Just love them. What? I love them. I with the the shows with Leela. I uh, they were they were among the best of that entire run. Oh yes. Oh, I like the ones with Leela. Oh yeah, because there's a lot of chemistry there. But but I'm always but for when I first started here, but it, it took me a while to figure out the Leela character. At first, I'm thinking, oh man, she's just a she's just a witch, <laughs> you know, and then you realize, no, she's actually, because I couldn't figure out the character, you know, like, I'm thinking, okay, she just teasing poor old Throckmorton and really has different ideas, you know, just using him, I mean, I couldn't figure out, I mean, when I started listening to these shows, I was like 12 or something, so I didn't quite have that character down, uh, now I get it, now I get it, uh, as an adult, I get it, I appreciate it, Shirley Mitchell did a great job, but, you know, back when I was listening to the shows, the first time, I'm like, ah, oh, this poor guy being harassed by this poor Southern Belle. <laughs> this little, this little, but, well, anyway, have, have we, I mean, I should let you go, because we need to get on, because I know there's other callers, and I'm going to go, we need to put that on the list, okay, Cherry birthday coming up in November, uh, we won't do it on the set, because she'll be performing on the set, so we should have it a week later, Patricia, have it, so we make sure on with us. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, we should do is that. Is this her 90th? Well, we talked about it when she was doing our Fipper special, having her back, and I thought maybe time of her birthday, and her birthday the 5th yeah, she's in November. Is this, is, this, is this her 90th? Yes, this is her 90th. Wow, wow. Hey, and Patricia wants to know why does everybody able to live so well on old time radio? No, I just yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, she she's still so when you talk to her, she's still so sharp and yeah. witty and and everything. So, did you know that? I I didn't hear it. Say that again. Oh, because Shirley Mitchell is still very sharp and witty and. Oh, she is. Uh, she is. Periodically, know, I ask Frank Brzee what what vitamins. Everybody in in old time radio takes and what they eat. <laughs> We're just well preserved. We drank a lot. <laughs> what he told you? <laughs> oh, he was he was so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah. I asked, so you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. I do. Thank you. with you. And I and I'll be I I don't if I'll be with you if you got another eight calls and I have to wait another two hours for figure house to be here waiting. You hang right in there. Bless your heart. Thank you, Brian. Bless you. You guys have a great evening. All right, pal. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. There we go. Hey, good, Brian. Hey, good from Seattle. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Our number. It's the Breakfast Club. 
quarter to four in the morning. <laughs> We're moving into the into the breakfast time. Ham and eggs and all those things, you know. And and maybe Nolan, poor Nolan. Poor Nolan. Yeah, well, poor Nolan wound up. I guess he hung up on himself, or somehow wound up disconnected. And um, I know now they had to give him a new trivia question. Get Brian answered it for. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Philip Marlowe and Sam Spade were. Well, actually, no, we did California. Hmm? Yeah, well, I guess we really didn't answer. We answered one man family. We should have gave you a clue there. But no, the he, he did. Yeah. I, I, he, okay. asked, he said uh, the detectives. California. I was going to ask you which cities. I should do that. Hello there, caller. You are on with Patricia. Well, I, I was wondering whether I should call her or not. Well, I think you should. You, you, want, you want me to hang up and call back? Uh, no, no. You always have permission to call. I could, We could start from the beginning. Well, I, w I was enjoying the interview. Or <laughs> <laughs> I've been worried about you. How are you doing? I... I See, I have season tickets for college, um, University of Hawaii college football, and they play almost every Saturday. And tonight was one of the games we played at Division One school or whatever, <laughs> and we won 66 to um, 66 to seven. So I felt really bad because you know I was <laughs> because we were just we were just. <laughs> Running up and down the field and all kinds of stuff. Poor team had nothing to do but. 66 to 7. That's incredible. Wow, that's pretty. I didn't know they could count that high in football. Oh, they should have had the mercy run. Stop the game. Stop the game. Aw. Uh, so, are you well? Are you okay? Hey, listen, I enjoyed the Um. I, I, um, appreciated the, um, uh, <clears throat> Richard Diamond, there you go. <laughs> oh, you got them. Okay, great. I really, really appreciate this Richard Diamond program. He was good. Dick Powell was so good. He was a great actor. That's oh, you talk about people who can sing, you know, yeah. who sang. Uh -huh. Dick Powell was one that always sang, almost like at the end of the show, and he sang some beautiful songs. Yep. That, that was his thing at the end of every show. And you know, uh, as far as Hal Perry is concerned, I don't think he oversang, um, you know, um, in a great killer sleeve. I, I think um, he was very selective. Um, I know they had to name the song contest, but he had to sing the same song every week anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the beginning of Willard Waterman was very good, um, but toward the end of the series, then I think it got, it, there, there was a drop off. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as Marge getting married to Bronco and having twins, I I think that, um, it, you know, the writers really had no choice because they couldn't keep Marge, Marjorie as being the same character throughout the whole run of the show, you know? I think it were I, I think it wouldn't have worked otherwise. Um, and as far as Leroy, I, I could never figure Leroy out really because he played throughout the whole series, but nobody really knew how old he was and how old he was getting to become. Because he either went to school all his life or I don't know. <laughs> right. 
See, I would have appreciated having Marjorie in the same setting. Leroy never aged. I didn't think Marjorie should age either, that it was a situation, it was a comedy, it was the characters written into the script, and they changed. They allowed one of the characters in particular to change dramatically, and it threw the whole balance off the show. I wonder if because the voices, all three Marjorie had such different voices. We had and three actresses. Why couldn't we get a fourth? Mm-hmm. Well, they made her happy with Mary Lee, Lee Rob, and they wanted to keep her, so they wrote to her strength, I guess. I thought her voice was just fine the way it was, regardless of age or motherhood or sisterhood. Uh, she would have been fine in however they cast her, but they chose to actually... It was a comedy, and they changed the line into a serial. Now, Walden, was Leroy a dwarf? Walter Tetley a dwarf or a midget? He was a dwarf. Um, he was 26 years old when he took over the part of Leroy. Really? Yes, he was born in 1915. Uh, Walter Tetley has, I guess, some, maybe Patricia can explain, some gland trouble. And, uh, uh, and it was sad. They did some experimental work, experimental procedures on him later in life. And he, he would grow, but he still always would maintain the voice. I remember Stan Freeberg mentioning he used to visit Walter in the 70s, and it was odd to see a grown man... In the, in the hospital room uh, with the same voice. Yeah. I, I don't think it was dwarfism uh, that affected him. I believe it was a growth hormone. And I've never seen anything in writing that would give a definitive. Well, maybe you can explain this. I don't guess I really know which is which. What is, the, what is considered a dwarf and what considered a, uh, I don't know, a midget? Is it all in the glands? Or what, what is it? You know? Oh, um, Dwarfism is a genetic change. Um, it, it is actually, uh, a, and, th and there are many, many, many different forms of dwarfism. So it, it is a genetic problem. It's genes that are passed on. And with the growth hormone, it is an endocrine problem. You, you can give children growth hormones if they're not making them themselves, and they will grow normally and go through puberty normally. And that's apparently what didn't happen to Walter Tetley until later in life. He never was, did he ever perform an act on television or radio was the only media? He did a couple of movies. He did? Yes, he was in an Abbott and Costello Who Done It at the radio station movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that, uh, I got that for Kim. I got her an Abbott Costello movie pack, and that was in there. And so somebody who's a really true Abbott Costello fan, it's the one there's a murder at the radio station, and Walter Tetley has a b big role in that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And how old was he then? About, would you... 28. But he paid the part of a what? A page. You know, so he probably paid it, what, 17, 16? Sixteen, probably, be my guess. You ever met him personally? Nope. He died in 1975. Oh, uh -huh. So he he was only 60 when he passed away. And he wasn't a very happy camper, was he? Well, he lost his family. You know, he, he never married. 
and his mom, his dad, his brothers were all gone. And he was, he was injured in a very serious automobile accident, a motorcycle accident, or something. I don't remember the whole details. Uh, he donated a lot of things. He he was a volunteer boy uh, boy scout leader. He volunteered in handicapped boy scout troops. What? He he ran a pet store. And in his will, he left everything to the to the boy scout program. So he did have some kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he died broke. I mean, I, I didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, he did have some fortune. He had some, but again, I don't know how much medical bills or anything like that might take it away. I, I imagine during the radio days, he was paid very well with Gildersleeve and Phil Harris. He probably had two exclusive contracts, which would pay him pretty good money, considering he was not probably wasn't allowed to work. Too many other shows. Yeah. Be my guess. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, um, because you know, this is really interesting because you, you, well, uh, Walden and Patricia and I never met each other. Mm-hmm. Only only through a telephone. Um, so did you know that I'm only three feet five? No. And you play that well? No, I'm only two. I know. I know. <laughs> that, that wasn't very funny. I know. <laughs> You're really two foot eight, but we didn't say. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm very good looking, though. Well. And, and no, I, and he, you know, we, we can look at your picture on the internet. We can have all the blind people vote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I when you when you stop laughing, would you like to play tonight? And I always tell my friends, you know, they don't know what I look like. Just know that I'm very good looking. And if you don't believe me, ask this other guy. He's blind, but he can tell you. <laughs> he'll he'll tell you. I can tell you. <laughs> I'll do for the both of you. Yeah, I know. Hmm? Well, okay, let's play some <clears throat> trivia. You want, you want to do um, sidekicks and and? Oh, I, I'm good at. I think I'm good at sidekicks. I, good at sidekicks. Okay. Are you ready? Kick on the side, real good. Okay, what? How How about Missy Wong? Missy Wong. Oh yeah. You know who? You know who sidekick she she was. She was. Hey boys. That's right. Hey boys. Yeah, that's great. And who Love. played? And who Love. played? And who played her? One of the best radio actress of all time. Huh? I don't know that. Wait, what? Who who played her? You know something? I don't know. Who played okay. her? Okay, and here, here, here you, you guys will recognize it's Virginia Gregg who also was Dick Powell's girlfriend. So can you imagine a gal who could vocally be Dick Powell's girlfriend, and you know, Helen Asher, and also be Missy Wong? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, Virginia Gregg. Now I remember because at the end of the Paladin shows, of course, they they give the names of the characters. Uh-huh. Ben Wright was Hey Boy, and I forgot that it was Virginia Craig. Yep. And Ben Wright did a good job, too, boy. You know? Oh, yep. they both did. Everybody he, did. After he was busy working crossword puzzle in ink, the New York Times crossword puzzle in ink during those, during those radio rehearsals. Yeah, and fabulous. I came across... 
Um, and, and we'll get to your, your CD in just a second, but uh, I'm, I'm getting old, and if I don't say something out loud, it's gone. Um, I came across a Sherlock Holmes show a week or two ago with Sherlock played by Ben Wright. He stepped in when, was it John Stanley? Who? Uh, Tom Conway. Tom, you're right. Thank you. Tom Conway was ill. And they needed a replacement for Sherlock Holmes, and Ben Wright stepped in, and he was fabulous. You know, I probably maybe helped him get the role. He he was Sherlock in 1949. I did not know that. Yeah, so maybe because he finished it in 46, when they were done with the Stanley run, that's where he took over and did Sherlock in 49. In my opinion, he was far superior to Conway. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, Ron, what kind of show are you in the market for this? Let me ask you, the diary, the diary of Faye? Oh, sure. No, wait, wait. How many episodes do you have of those? I think there's only 13 of those or something. I don't think there's too many. I don't remember. Let me see what I've got. Too many of, of, of um, I don't know how long they were on the air, but. I think only a short time. And they were, it wasn't very popular either. No. <laughs> But, but but the, some of the stars are kind of unique, though, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I I thought. Well, let me see what I've got here. Diary of Fate. Oh gosh, it looks like I might have maybe twenty. Let me see here. Maybe. We'll see. Hold on. Any mini minor mo. I have to make. Looking for a radio show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> By the way, um, I I hear the advertisement of. Uh, the big uh, auction thing um, for the end of November. Uh huh. Are you gonna send your piano? I'm gonna send. I'm gonna donate ten CDs. Oh my uh, goodness oh. gracious, Ron! Because uh, yeah, because this is the USA happening. Wow. To uh, all of us. That's a true gift. Yeah. So I'm gonna talk to um, Bill Bragg. He used my, he used my music as a background. I thought that was kind of unique. Yeah, I noticed in the one little uh, promo he was using your music. I've, and I heard that too. I could hear it in the background. Yeah, so I will. Was it the music box dancer that he's using? It was Unchained uh -huh. Melody. It was Unchained Melody. We're to have Ron do a whole new CD and nothing but old time radio themes and, and songs. Someday you'll find me or whatever. Uh huh. Wow. Wow. Okay, on the, um, Diary of Fate, assuming there are no duplicates in here, I have 24 shows. Really? Yeah, that's what it says. I think there were that many shows, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> then maybe I have some duplicates in here. I don't think so. They're all dated. They look... Oh, it's okay. Yeah, send me that, because that, yeah, that was a very unusual show. We have it. Okay. But, but listen, that the two of you, I... I want you to know that every Saturday I look forward to hopefully at least saying hello and, oh, and enjoy, your, your, enjoy your banter back and forth. <laughs> he picks on me. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ron. We missed you last week and the week before. I'm hey, glad what, what's, on the, what's on the headlines for tomorrow night, Walt? Oh. What's happened 50 years ago uh, tomorrow? What happened 50 years ago tomorrow? Mm-hmm. 1960. What, 
Tomorrow is September, right? Right, September 26, 1960. Oh, you were born? No, I'm too I wasn't even born. I was six years away. Well, what happened, then? It was the very first Kennedy-Nixon debate. Really? Yes, so we're going to play that at the top of the show. And then after that, uh, via request, Patricia suggested it with Tom last week. We're going to play a Ray Bream interview when he had Leon Schwab, a Schwab drugstore, back in. And if I'm still awake, we're going to run the Gary Moore Mighty Memory Mobile up to 1943. So, Four. so that's, that's what I got planned so far. Right, and if I stay out of trouble, who knows what else we'll do. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I know. Hey, um, Patricia, by any yeah. chance, uh, not, 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 for late future times, uh, do you have any 20 questions, you know, that um, the game show recording? I know which show you're talking about. We have two. I've Animal, vegetable, and mineral, or whatever. Uh -huh. Yeah, and I've, I've only come across two shows. And the son, the, the young man on the show, wrote the book about the show, and I think we should, he's on my wish list to get him on the show. Uh, Bill Slater was the uh, announcer, and the rest of it were all family members. Really? Yes, Robert Van Meter, his wife, and his son were the panelists. Barnes was a musician. Right. And, and then uh, Bobby, Bobby McGuire? Right, that, that was his son. They sort of twisted his name around. Oh. And he he's written, uh, he lived back in the East Coast, uh, written a, a book or two on the show. And I saw him do a presentation back at FOTR. And he played the game with the audience, and he still could do it. it, he, it uh, but he said that's what they did as a family. They played, and that's how they invented the show, the 20 question, based part of their, di their dinner game. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, anyway, you guys, I will not off. Well, no, are you going to play Fibber McGee and Molly show or something? Yeah. Within the, next yeah. Three, within the next three or four hours, I think, with a good chance. You stay with us and have breakfast with us, and you can listen to Fibber McGee and Molly. You guys are amazing. I don't know how you guys can be so, so bubbly and where you live, Patricia. But she doesn't get up until 10.30 at night, so she's in good shape. That's right. Yeah. I get up just before the show. There you go. Well, <laughs> a good one, and aloha from Hawaii. Aloha, Ron. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he goes. Ron! 714-545-2071. You know, Patricia? What? We sure get the callers at night. I love it. Hello, there. Well, this is rerunning this one. I just wanted to say goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? My battery went dead on a cordless phone. Oh. And it just sort of faded out and like old soldiers. Never die. They just oh. fade away. Well, you missed out on the uh, question with the with Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe. I, I did. I, I don't have the answer. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been a good question for you anyway, right? Uh, well, if I didn't know the answer, it's never a good, good question. No, the answer, it's a, that's why, you know, somebody will always say, there's always somebody who says, well, the question was easy. And I say it's only easy if you know the answer. There you go. That's right. You want to you sound informed. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? 
Okay, go. What profession was Candy Matson in? What was she? Candy Matson. Candy Matson. Um, Hatchet Girl. <laughs> no. Oh no. One out of three. <laughs> Go ahead. I just I barely know her name. I don't. I don't remember the show. Candy Matson, Yukon. What? What was the Yukon number? The phone number. She would answer the phone. Candy Matson, Yukon. Um, or eight seven or whatever her numbers were. Two oh nine. She would bake with her on the West Coast only. She was a, it was a show based in San Francisco that ran up and down the West Coast. So it was, it was never national. Oh, I see. Well, I was, it's popular as an old-time radio show, though. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. All right, we'll move on. What? Yukon King. I'd say that again? Yukon King. Yukon <laughs> King. No, that's not the answer. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, here, here you go. What was, or maybe you would know this, um, no, never mind. The shadow, what was the shadow able to do? He could cloud men's minds. So there you see. go. Wow. That's exactly right. Well, one out of three ain't bad. <laughs> well, there was, well, it was only one out of two. Oh, you said you didn't know that it was, they were in California, by the way. The two detectives were both based in California. Before I forget, I made a note here to say that Leela was an insulting uh, characterization of a southerner. Nobody talks like that. Well, you know, and you know what? As Shirley Mitchell said, she would, she never went to the South before. The only time she ever visited the South was after she did the character. I see. Yeah. She was from, she, she's from Ohio. So I guess that's the whole Ohio version of the South. Yeah, it, it was really exaggerated. The, the thing that always irritates me is when someone imitating a southerner will t tell, call one person y'all. Y'all have seen this and that sort of thing. Uh -huh. That's rare. It's, it's no, it'd be more than one person in the room if you said y'all. Uh, I'm, I'm on your side. And um, And they always put the apostrophe in the wrong place. Right. As a, uh, as a writer, is it not true that shows like uh, Bonanza, uh, Bachelor Father, uh, all of those were purposely single so that the, the, the broader uh, range of scripts could be written. The person could be dating, the person could be, uh, you know, in a uh, situation where they had uh, children but they were adopted. Sandy Griffith, for example, was never married. He was, but he wasn't on the show that way. Is that is that a possibility? It's a possibility. I had never thought about it, and because I've never done writing for television or radio. Well, I was just thinking, you were talking about how this kind of squeezes the Gildersleeve show down because they married off the, they had the twins and they married the uh, the, the daughter off and, or was it the son? I can't remember who, was he the father of the twins? Or was it the girl that got married? Anyway, and the Gildersleeve I'm talking about. And, um, they, they just narrowed it. They, they could not be outside that box, you know, once they were married with children. Uh, okay. Gildersleeve, of course, was, was single and it left a wide berth mm -hmm. for his character to do different things. I, just a thought. I'm, I'm probably off base there, but it just seemed to me there are, were an awful lot of single people involved in, in these comedies. Yeah, it, it's an interesting take on that because you're right. Uh, Gildersleeve had an opportunity to date many women, 
if you were a married person, you would hear this, like Fibber McGee and Molly, you would have the same woman every week. Um, uh, so it, it, it would intrude on the integrity of the show, which I think the kids did. I think having a marriage and children intruded on the integrity of the show. I think when Leela dragged him to the altar, and that's probably not a very complimentary way of saying it, but she was the one who wanted to get married, and he was kind of iffy about it, but they got to the altar before Beauregard showed up in the church and the wedding was called off but even that changed the fabric of the show he was a bachelor he was supposed to be a woman's man he was supposed to be dating a lot of eligible women uh-huh. suddenly he was at the altar yeah yeah of course you wonder about a guy that hangs out with a gang called the joy boys but... yes. <laughs> right. i hadn't thought about that <laughs> um, yeah that's good I'm trying to think the actual, I think it's the 6th or so, it, it, and it's very rare because it had the heck the commercials embedded into the Green Hornet show. Oh. And I, th- I, I, think, I think Patricia might be able to find it, but I think it's November 47. I don't have it handy. Green Hornet. And yeah. what what am I supposed to be looking for? It's the one where uh, Dan, it's the... Um, it's the it's the two parter. Uh, I think it's called Hornet Exposed. And the second episode uh, is where Dan Reed's father, I mean Victory's dad, who was Dan Reed, comes to talk to him about uh, him being the Green Hornet. I remember hearing that. Yeah, and so as he talks about his great uncle, you can hear the theme of the Lone Ranger in the background. 
and of course it's being played by John Todd. Okay. So Hold it's, on, Will. it's about November or so of 47. Of 47? Yeah, either 47 or 48, but I think it's 47. Uh, yes, exposed. That's, I got it. That's it. So, uh, maybe no one would like to 28th, 1947. Uh-huh. So that's in there. It's a two-part, it's a two-parter. It's the second, the second one is the one that has the story in it, so. I'd love to have that. Okay, so that would be, um, Graft Crosses a Bridge. That was the following week. I think so. Probably, give him that whole, that whole run, that whole, that way for sure. I, he's got the, um, the entire set. Yeah is on the CD, so you've got that whole thing coming. Um, but I, you know, I have to tell you the truth, Nolan. I was waiting for the envelope to come back before I... Uh, <laughs> the mystery envelope, yeah, please wait. <laughs> right. You've got no, the envelope. Misunder I misunderstood when you all said you liked radio history. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the history of radio. You were, you were talking about... Uh, Discussing World War II and that sort of thing, or live coverage, or but I, you, I also have some radio history, and I, I wonder, have I sent that to you? No, you, oh, you I, probably, he, he probably haven't gotten the, uh, that you offered it to Brian, and maybe known like the Dick Burrow, Ed Corcoran, the Golden Age of Radio interviews. Yeah, that that interests me, but mm -hmm. I was going to send something to you, but I didn't know whether it was the. Uh, like the 40th anniversary of NBC, or whether it was uh -huh. Richard VJ Day, or which are we talking about? Oh, tomorrow, it's the 50th anniversary of Nixon-Kennedy's first debate. Okay, but uh, now is that called, you call that radio history, or? I, well, I'm sneaking in because I'm playing the radio broadcast. Yeah. What? Okay. You know, Ron has a tendency to do timely historical things, either based upon radio or historical things. I have a my mind think that way, you know. I have uh, Jack Benny's Longine Whitmore special where he talks about radio. Oh yeah. To me, that's history of radio. I agree. That's where I was getting confused. I agree, and I, I and I love all that because, as you know, I have uh, I'm a big fan of all that kind of stuff. Do you have that? Al? I only have you know they they issued three sets. I have the two small one. I don't have the full four album or five album set. I have a single and a double. I don't have the, uh, I, I understand when I first issued it, it was a bigger set, and I don't have the big one. I think I do. I would, I, if I, you can transfer that, I would love to have that. Well, that, you can certainly work a deal with me with all that you've got to trade. I agree. Well, hey, we'll come up with something. <coughs> help me, help me uh, sort out my, my collection. Yeah. It's in two shoeboxes. Nolan, are you there? I'm here. Okay, I've got um, NBC uh, 50 years, and I have CBS 40 year, uh, 50 years, um, and I have some Jack Benny interviews, and I might have a couple of others. I know I've got um, a history of radio, and I apologize. I thought I had sent that to you already. Uh, so whatever I have that's related to radio history, I will drop on a CD and put it in your envelope. Oh, great. Anything with interviews, not necessarily the specials, especially when they got up to 40 or 50 years, they were really kind of kind of bad. Well, especially the NBC is pretty good because they, they had five different hours, one hosted by Bob Hope, another one Bing Crosby, and you could hear them talk about, and then they talk about personal anecdotes 
what, what year would that be? Well, they did it in 1976. Really? Yeah, and they, they devoted five separate weeks, one hour apiece. Uh, and they had uh, Owen Harris hosted one hour, uh, Ben Grauer another hour, uh, Bob Hope, Ben Crosby. Oh. And it's Dynamite, one of the better ones. One of the worst ones was the 40th, I think, and it's what I'm talking about. Maybe I just had one episode, but it, it, they were trying to do old radio again with Dan Laughter. And yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, the Edgar Bogan, the Edgar Bogan Charlie McCarthy won, yeah, the 40th anniversary. And did, did you notice the title of that thing? It goes on and on. The Edgar Bergen, the Chasing the, the Sanborn's 101st celebration celebrate the 40th anniversary of NBC. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yep. For as long as you could get that on a marquee. Cause... I know. Um, Nolan? Yes, ma'am. I have some additional goodies for you. I have the interview sessions with whatever became of. Uh-huh. I've got some of those, and on the golden age of radio, there are 89 shows, each with an interview. Uh, they're by Dick Bartell and Ed Corcoran. Wow. So there are 89 of them, and I am doing my busy little work here today. I've only got about 20 of them downloaded so far, but I think those are probably ones that you would be interested in as well. They've got Hyman Brown and Howard Duff and... Um, you are right to Rosario. They went to Rosario House, yes. and she played the organ and different songs and talked about them. <laughs> that, that is... Yeah, they did pretty much all the East Coast people. Uh, Patricia, you sent me, uh, where are they now, or what? Whatever became oh, Whatever became of? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. You, you do have that one. Okay, I'm going to do the Golden Age of Radio and the, the whatever else I have in my files. Okay? That do you have the Long Jean Whitnauer hour? Would you like to have it? Sure. That's the Jack Denny history of radio, and I don't think it was ever released on CD or cassette. It was nope, only, the, uh, only LP. Excuse me? Yeah, only LP. It was never re released. We can, we can handle that. I, I'll uh, feel a little bit like I'm contributing something <laughs> your way. And it'll get my envelope back. There you go. <laughs> like keep away who gets the key when it gets canceled you're out oh boy i'm going to be crushed if this thing comes in with <laughs> <laughs> this is too much fun okay so uh send me the envelope and i'll get it back to you all right okay no one thanks a bunch thank you guys have a good evening all right thanks bye-bye bye-bye that sounds like a threat send the envelope and i'll send it back right. This is just so funny. I really, I've got his uh, Green Hornet CD sitting next to me, and it's sitting there hoping that this envelope is going to come back so I can put it in the envelope and send it back to him. So this will be the fourth trip. When Nolan sends this to me, this will be the fourth trip that envelope has taken. I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, and we're hoping that the United States Postal Service isn't listening tonight. If not, we'll give out your address as being uh, 2001 Plymouth Rock Drive. Oh, yes. Richardson, Texas, 75081. There you go. Any correspondence, send it to there. This is cool. Yeah. All and right. speaking of that, we need to mention, it was on our agenda to do, to talk about uh, the upcoming Yesterday USA auction. I've got it in front of me with red letters 
in capital letters, auction. We have to talk about the auction. What can you say? What can I say about the auction? It is... To be auctioned off. The auction is actually conducted on the air. Bill gets on the air, describes the items that are being auctioned, and people call in with bids, or if you're in the chat room, you can type in bids that Mike Handy monitors and the studio. Uh, people are asked to contribute items, anything from um, these handmade treasures, uh, Lucy up in New York is making an afghan. She is crocheting an afghan. Uh, CDs and DVDs with um, old-time radio, new-time radio, uh, movies, television, whatever. Books, um, electronics, um, what else have we gotten in there? Music, I, music, uh, memorabilia, and gift cards. And gift cards. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you can do is stop by the Yesterday USA homepage, yesterdayusa.com, and look for the link that will bring you to the items from last year's auction. You'll get an idea of the kinds of things that came in to be auctioned off. And not everything is old-time radio-oriented. Not everything is duplicated for the next year. Surprises are very welcome, and it can be anything from a dollar to a thousand dollars. Whatever you find that you would love, somebody else is going to love. So please send it in. This is the time of the year when you can start watching for what I call the twofers. You get two for the price of one, grab it. And if you're ordering over the internet, you can have items shipped to a second address. So you don't even have to worry about boxing it up and shipping it. The point is, everybody has to roll up your sleeves and give a little bit of a hand here because the auction is the single event that supports the station each year. So it's going to be on November 28th. It is the last Sunday in November. It's always the last Sunday in November. And it will begin at... What time? Around 4 o'clock Eastern time, give or take. 4 o'clock Eastern. That's yeah. about right. And it, it usually kind of has a little bit of a slow start, but it picks up and it keeps on going for 8, sometimes 10 hours until all of the lots are bid on and marked winners. Mm -hmm.
really some nifty stuff. People are very creative in what they put together and contribute. Um, it's really great. You just heard Ron, our friend in Hawaii. Ron is a professional musician, uh, piano. <laughs> oh, my gosh, is piano his specialty. And he is going to contribute 10 of his CDs for the auction, and they will be in various lots that are auctioned off. Everything is clustered. You always have a bundle of items that you will be bidding on. So it's fun stuff. Frank really Pizzi fun stuff. It's Frank my Pizzi second favorite day. Frank Pizzi donated 300 book copies of his book. Who, say that again? The Frank donated 300 copies of his book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And his book is good. Uh -huh. This is the one he did with Bob Lyon? That's the one. Okay, yeah. it is a really neat, unusual item. It is, um, gosh, I, I guess... It has like 3,000 drawings of radio and with little interesting anecdotes and little notes about 256 radio shows. Right, uh, soft cover, mm -hmm. and it's about, what would you say, 15 by 10? Uh-huh. By 15, probably. Yep, I think and so. It's Bob Lyon's artwork has reproduced the faces of hundreds of people who are associated with old-time radio. And as Walden says, underneath each one uh, is a description of a show or a little anecdote about the show that um, will give you an insider's peek there. So the two of them did an extraordinary job on this. I have a copy that Frank gave to me, and I just love it to pieces. Really a fun thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, nice. I picked it up from the mailbox when I was on my way home from the supermarket, mm -hmm. and I brought up all of my all of my groceries, and I looked at the book, and I started flipping through it, and I had some frozen food that melted. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, I just you know, it's one of those where you where you can open up to any page and start enjoying it, mm -hmm. but I kept turning the pages. And when I realized what I had done, of course, I had things that were frosting <laughs> on, the, on the counter. They had never made it to the freezer. So it's a fun book, fun uh, item. 300 copies is wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I hope Kim will be able to set some aside for next year's auction. I, I think there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to... Um, do 300 but anyway the, um, there's there's information about the auction and you do not have to bid on an item you do not have to contribute an item you can do one or the other or both whatever you can do to uh, participate would be fabulous it, the end it, it costs us this radio station at least about $400 a month just to stream on the internet so, if we could just make that money, when you're talking at least $5,000, that will cover that part of the bill. Mm -hmm. And that just gives you an idea. You know, um, we wish everything was free, but there are things that have to be paid for. And so, that's how we try to raise the money to cover those types of bills. And you can send any of your items to Kim Bragg, at K-I-M-B-R-A-G-G. At 2001-2001 Plymouth Rock Drive, P-L-Y-M-O-U-T-H, Rock, R-O-C-K, Drive, Richardson, Texas, R-I-C-H, A-R-D-S-O-N, Texas, 
75081-2001 Plymouth Rock Drive Richardson, Texas 75081 so If you get the address, just go to the website. It's up there. <coughs> and Patricia and I would love you to help us out by donating something or coming on that day. And it doesn't have to be a big item. Just the participation is just worth it's worth it too. So And it's a fun day. You bet. It's I Patricia's second favorite day on the radio. That's my second favorite day on Yesterday USA. Mm-hmm. My first favorite day You wanna take a guess? Oh I know. Oh, Super Saturday. That's right. Super Saturday. When when is it? Well, if I had to get out the calendar, I would say probably going to be the second Saturday in December. Okay, so that would be the 11th. If I had to guess. Uh huh. It's and that's usually when it is, but occasionally mm-hmm. there have been changes. But yeah, I, I know for sure it's not going to be Christmas Day. It's not going to be Christmas Day. Yeah. Super Saturday is an all-day affair. Mm-hmm. Bill and Mike are live at the station, and it's a Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. It's just Christmas all day long. It really kicks off. It doesn't kick off. It jumps into the middle of the Christmas season. Um, There are some trivia times for Christmas prizes, and it's just a really super day. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's having a good time, and we're chatting back and forth in the chat room, and people are calling in just like our folks call here on Saturday night, so this is going to be a during-the-day Saturday. So that's my first favorite day. Hooray! Second favorite day is auction day. Favorite Aww. all-time favorite is Saturday nights with Walt. Oh, that's true. And our family, we have family out there. I know. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We appreciate. It's amazing how this goes. It seems like the later we go, the more callers we get. No, <laughs> and uh, I've never figured out, uh, well, that's not really true. We have figured out a couple of times that people are getting up rather than going to bed. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty amazing to think about uh-huh. that. Do you want your World War II old-time radio question? Sure, I sure do. Okay, I think you know the answer because I may have talked about this earlier, but let's go for it anyway. All right. World War II question. Which general was nicknamed the Green Hornet and why? I've never heard this one before. Um, really? No. Uh, you don't have very many to pick. No, no, and I'm trying, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking logically about this. Well, this, I'm going to roll the dice. This is probably a wild gamble, but there's a reason why I'm saying this. Mimits. Chester A. Mimits. Not even close. Oh, uh, well, okay. It was George Patton. Yeah, I thought about old George. I thought about old George. Old George. Well, there's a story behind this. He was also occasionally referred to as Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. Oh, about that. So we do have an old-time radio tie-in here. In 1941, he designed a new uniform, 
and it was strictly for his armored troops. He wanted something that would set his armored troops apart from the rest of the military. And he chose a green color that was a departure, was a brighter green than the typical olive drab. So now we're getting into the, the green hornet um, persona here. However, he designed it with two vertical rows of buttons that were similar to a bellboy's outfit. Oh, okay. I remember those. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, George Patton's buttons were gold. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know what the rest of the gang was supposed to wear, but his buttons were gold because, of course, he was a general. Yeah. And he also wore a helmet that, uh, from personal accounts, accounts from people who served under him, say was a Washington Redskins helmet. So here we go. So now we've got a uniform that was functional, you know, and it fit properly for an armored tank. So now he's got the, the Green Hornet nickname because his timing was terrible. The uniform never took, took hold. I mean, it just wasn't produced. It was a good uniform. It was a good design. It looked a little squirrely with all the buttons there on his uniform. Um, but I don't think other people had the bellboy uniforms. Um, but in 1941, the movie The Green Hornet Strikes Again came out and played to huge audiences. And the timing was terrible. Here is George Patton with this unusual uniform, all dressed in green. He's got gold buttons. And people started calling him the Green Hornet. And it's probably what tanked wow. uniform wow. move. Um, and that's how, because of the buttons and the, and the uh, it's a, it was a jumpsuit-like design. It really was a dramatic departure from what you would typically see in, in military uniforms. Um, and that's how he got the nickname Flash Gordon also. So that was our Green Hornet. I never knew that, Patricia. Oh, good. I gave you a piece of history. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. She's a smart, <laughs> she's a smart bunny rabbit. She don't know that, everybody. Oh, well, you I are. mean... <laughs> this this was really a find. I I I latched onto this. I had had found a comment in a couple of places about the nickname the Green Hornet, but I didn't know where it came from. I thought it was because he was, you know, a, a larger than life person in a green uniform that they they called him the Green Hornet because he was that good. But there was a substantial piece of history behind it. So there you go. Wow. We didn't get the uniforms um, because the Green Hornet played in the movies in 1941. Did you know he was in the Olympic Games? George Patton was? Mm-hmm. I, I don't recall that. Yeah, in 1912, he was uh, he was in the uh, in the rifle or the gun shooting. Oh, my tree. goodness. Yeah. So he got a silver medal. And he did get a medal? Mm-hmm. A silver. A silver. Mm-hmm. Wow. And which year? 1912, I believe. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yep. You talk about reaching out into history. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what do you think about a Fibber McGee and Molly show? A what? <laughs> <laughs> One of those. <laughs> I think that should be great. I think a Fibber and Molly show would be great. All right. Will we be back after this one, or are we... It's up to you, my dear. You you call the roll. 
I'm awake. How well, are you? Let's, let's come back after this one because it is our first show, and that means that I've got trivia questions about the show. So at the very least, can we come back and ask the question? You bet. And this is in a terrific sound. Oh, this is this is this is just great. Yeah. This is running Kramer's drugstore from March fifth. Uh, I'm sorry, March twenty fifth, nineteen fifty two. And here's a little tidbit that nobody except me probably cares about, and perhaps Claire Schultz, who who um, wrote the Fibberbingi and Molly on the Air book. Kramer's drugstore. Kramer's name is spelled K R E M E R, which is different from. A traditional spelling. So anyway, running Kramer's Drugstore, K-R-E-M-E-R. Um, this is the first of two running the store episodes that I pulled tonight. Fibber did several where he stepped in and he ran different stores and different businesses. But this is, this is one that I pulled and I thought this was a super one. In this one, young, young Ed Tatum, who is Gil Stratton. Right. And Debbie Lynn, I want you to listen to Debbie Lynn and tell me if you recognize her voice, and we'll tell you who it is at the end if you weren't listening to Walden who gave it away. Um, and nobody heard you, or nobody remembers that. No, no, we've been on for 35 hours. Nobody. Oh, did, no, yeah. somebody, it slipped by somebody. Okay, so Ed Tatum and Debbie Lynn want to get married, but Ed does not make enough money at the drugstore. He makes $30 a week which Fibber thinks is fine, but it's not enough to get married on. However, Fibber has decided he's got a solution. While Kramer is away, he will help Ed run the store and make it so successful that Kramer will have to give Ed a raise. And there are some fabulous lines in this show. Um, he was talking about money. Fibber said, money goes farther now, clear to Washington, and the audience went nuts. Now, this is a March 25th, 1952 show, and people were still turning in their taxes on March 15th. So we're 10 days after tax day, and everybody caught on in this one. And also, it's during the hub of the election. You know, who's going to run for the candidacy? So another election year. Uh-huh, that's right. Um, so we're in March. Sure, people are out there campaigning already. Um, Eisenhower was out in the in the front run and we had um Adlai Stevenson you're good I'm proud of you oh boy I'm telling you've got me in the history books here <laughs> I am so proud of myself okay so we've got um it, it's really interesting that the writing was perfection here as well because farther means distance further is a concept like somebody wanted wants to further their career mm -hmm. But something that's farther away is actually measurable in miles or feet. Or, so when he said money goes farther now, he was absolutely literal. Don Quinn had written the literal interpretation of that word. It goes to Washington. It goes farther than our pockets now. It goes to Washington. So Fibber said he once got fired from a drugstore because he was caught raiding the horse the Whorehound Candy Jar, H-O-R-E-H-O-U-N-D, Whorehound Candy Jar. I found a recipe for Whorehound Candy, so we can talk about that when we get finished. But there is that one line that I talked to Brian about. I absolutely lost it when he talked to the customer who came in for birdseed. 
he wanted to buy birdseed. And it was one of these lines that if it had been delivered by anyone else or in any other way, would not have been funny or as funny. So this is our Listen Hard show. I've got three trivia questions that are based on the show, and if you listen to it, you can answer the questions and give me just one correct answer, and you get a CD. So here we are, running Kramer's Drugstore, March 25, 1952, and Fibber has the solution. The Pet Milk Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The first evaporated milk, Pet Milk, presents Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick Legrand, Ed Begley, Gil Stratton Jr., Gloria McMillan, and B. Harlow Wilcox. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Keith Fowler and directed by Max Hutto with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Next Saturday is going to be a mighty happy day for Mr. and Mrs. Harry Zarif of New York City. On that day, March 29th, the famous Zarif quadruplets will be celebrating their eighth birthday. That's right, these famous babies, so tiny and delicate at birth, will be eight years old next Saturday. And you should see what sturdy, vigorous, happy youngsters they are. And how they go for pet evaporated milk. Yes, pet milk, the milk which helped bring them through the first hazardous months of their life, is still their favorite. And that suits Mrs. Zarif just fine for she knows how very much this safe, easy-to-digest milk means to her children. She knows that pet milk will help them through all their growing years to build strong, straight bones, good sound teeth, and to have fine, well-developed bodies. What pet evaporated milk has done and is doing for the Zarif children, it can also do for yours. Your grocer has pet milk. Get several cans tomorrow. Well, it seems there were two nice kids in Westville Vista named Debbie Lynn and Ed Tatum. Debbie and Eddie were sweethearts. Golly, and how they did love. He was her man, but he only made 30 bucks a week. So they went to talk it over with Fibber McGee and Molly. Well, uh, I thought you were doing okay at Kramer's Drugstore, Eddie. I heard you were making quite a splash as a soda jerk. Oh, sure. Some splash. Yeah? Big stuff. Yeah. Mr. Kramer told me last week he was going to name me chairman of the board. Chairman of the board? That's the board he cuts the sandwiches on, Mrs. McGee. <laughs> yeah. Every time I ask him for a raise, he tells me how tough things are at the store. Well, if he's talking about his ham sandwiches, he's got the right idea, Leah. <laughs> They're the tough... Well, I don't know why we should bother you with our troubles, Mr. McGee, but Ed and I want to get married, and we'll never be able to on his salary. How much do you make a week, Ed? $30, ma'am. I got a raise three years ago, but... <laughs> 30 bucks a week? My gosh, that ain't bad. Why, when I was your age, I was only making eight bucks a week. I could afford shoes with genuine imitation pearl buttons, too. <laughs> But, Mr. McGee, when you were at... I worked at Old Man Wiggins' hay and grain store in them days. Had a swell job, too. Used to spend all morning in the grain department and all afternoon in the hay. <laughs> I remember the day Mr. Wiggins fired you when he caught you sleeping on the job. Yeah. It seems somebody ordered a batch of alfalfa, and he had to load it himself. Yeah. Well, he stuck a pitchfork in a pile of hay, and they heard... You know, about this time of year, in millions of homes... Women sigh and say, I wish someone would give me an idea for a new and appetizing kind of meatless dish. 
Well, Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor has made that wish come true with her new recipe for olive and tuna super supper, a one-dish meatless meal that's a dandy. A delicious combination of tuna, California ripe olives, noodles, and a green vegetable put together with the best-tasting cheese sauce you ever met up with. Cheese sauce made with pet evaporated milk. No wonder it's good. Pet milk is good sweet country milk concentrated to double richness. All the goodness, all the important protein that's in a quart of good sweet country milk is concentrated in a pint of pet milk. That's one big reason why olive and tuna super supper is so super and so satisfying and nourishing. You'll see the recipe for olive and tuna super supper featured in more than a dozen popular women's magazines. Use it soon. Your family will really enjoy it. It's good to get home and sit down, dearie. Yeah. What are you reading? I found a fascinating story in a magazine down at Kramer's Drugstore. Brought it home. Hmm. What is the magazine? Radio TV Mirror, the April issue. Terrific story. I'm going to read it again. What makes it so fascinating? I think it's the subject matter. It's a life story of two sweet, gentle, wonderful people. That kindly, lovable old couple from Peoria, Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> you mean up? Yeah. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> The first evaporated milk, pet milk, brings you Fibber McGee and Molly each week at this time. Be with us again next Tuesday night, won't you? Most children seem to build a little world of their own, centered around their school and playmates. But what happens when a child's world must be changed? That's the big question young wife Sally Carter is faced with in the story of the week on Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor program next Saturday morning. Right after the story, you'll be given a preview of the recipe of the month for April, Pineapple Upside Down Cake, a new work-saving way to make a big cake that's full of old-fashioned goodness. Tune in sure next Saturday morning to this same NBC station for the story of the week and Mary Lee Taylor's recipe for Pineapple Upside Down Cake, brought to you by Pet Milk. <laughs> Now, Eddie Cantor brings you his show business show on NBC. March 25th, 1952. Right, Patricia? That is correct. And I gave Don Quinn credit for a superb script. And this was a pet milk show. He didn't write the script. Oh. Oh. oh, Don Fowler and Phil <laughs> Leslie. And Phil Leslie was under-recognized. He wasn't underrated. He was under-recognized. He was a fine writer and paired up with Don Quinn fairly early. Do you recall what year they, uh, Phil Leslie joined? About 1944, during the war. I know that. Okay. Might have been 43, but about 44. Oh, smack in the middle. Mm-hmm. And he really did some fine writing, and this was this was a great show. So that means I have three great questions. Wonderful! Yay! 
Wonderful. Trivia questions. All I need is one correct answer. All of the questions are based on this show, and here they are. What was Fibber's reply to the man who wanted birdseed because he raised canaries? What did Fibber reply to him? Second question is, the old-timer stopped in to buy hard candy, anything that would make noise when he and his girlfriend Bessie chewed it. Why did he want something that made noise? And the third, how did Fibber negotiate for a raise for Ed? 714-545-2071 is our number. We'd love to talk to you. Indeedy. We're bright and early here in the morning show. <laughs> I don't know how bright, but we're here early. Oh, we're bright. <laughs> we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, I have, while we're waiting for somebody to call with some fibber answers relate, that relate to um, that particular show, I have Whorehound Candy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> 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 um, were you listening at the very beginning of the show? I missed that part. Okay, in the beginning of the show, he and Fibber, uh, Fibber and Molly are talking with Ed and Debbie Lynn, who recognized Debbie Lynn's voice, please. And he was talking about the jobs that he had held before. Now, he's going to help Ed run the drugstore, and he said that he had had a job in the past in a drugstore. And Molly said, yeah, you lost the job, too. And Fibber said, yes, it was because he got caught with his hand in the whorehound candy jar. Now, I had never heard of whorehound candy, but there is indeed such a thing. Whorehound is an herb that grows in Europe. It was brought over here. It grows abundantly in California. It was brought to Australia and has overgrown particular areas, which can happen when you bring a plant that doesn't belong to a new place. So anyway, it's an herb that has alleged medicinal um, properties to it. In addition to being made into a candy, it is also a sugar-coated lozenge for colds. Um, it is used for an appetite stimulant to soothe a dry, scratchy throat, to relieve intestinal gas. <laughs> I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on. It's a diuretic, may stimulate the appetite, of course, because I just said that. Effective treatment for bronchitis. And it was historically used to treat tuberculosis. Can you imagine that? Ah, uh, one of miracle drugs. It, it is a miracle drug. Yeah. Here, here is the fun part. The FDA, this is from a site that deals in round herb that you can buy and mm -hmm. dunk it like tea. <laughs> the FDA has not confirmed their acceptance or belief in the medicinal qualities of horehound as it exists in horehound candy for use with sore throats. The FDA has approved horehound as a food additive that is considered safe. Two paragraphs later is labeled warning. <laughs> Pregnant and lactating women should not eat horehound candy. Infants and young children should not eat horehound. 
Horehound should not be used or ingested by people with chronic illnesses such as ulcers, reflux, or colitis. If Horehound is ingested, ingested in large amounts, it may cause stomach upset, upset and heart rate irregularities. Ingesting Horehound may interfere with iron absorption. All of that is under the warning, which is two paragraphs under the FDA has approved it. <laughs> <laughs> and is considered safe. Now, there's something wrong with this picture. I'm not sure of what. I don't know what. That's pretty, but it must be safe. It must be safe because yeah. somebody said it was safe. Anyway, this herb you can make into a tea that you can drink, and it is this tea that is used to make whorehound candy. You mix it with... A, and. You have to do this in proper sequence, but one cup of the tea plus four cups of sugar plus two cups of dark or light corn syrup, and you boil the leaves to make this strong tea. You combine the sugar and the corn syrup, then add the, the tea liquid and boil it until it begins to caramelize, you know, kind of get thick. And then you pour it onto a flat greased cookie sheet in a thin layer and you cut it with kitchen shears. Clip, 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 like, like scissors. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing, Patricia. And when you're all finished, you, you coat it with, uh, uh, with um, granulated sugar, and you've got your whorehound candy. But did, you ever, did you ever thought this was going to be a topic we are going to ever talk about on the radio? Do you think it's a topic I should have left? No, I think it's just amazing you come up with great topics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's a topic. It just it teased me when he said he got caught with his hand in the whorehound candy jar. That's pretty good. So I found out what whorehound candy is. Mm. Hello. It's in the mint family. It's in the mint family. So pop take like peppermint. Say say what? Did it taste like peppermint? I it doesn't say what it tastes. Ah. It it just says bittersweet mm -hmm. and it's in the peppermint family or the mint the mint leaves family so I I'm not sure I'd want to taste it I'm not sure I'd want to eat it I'm not sure I'd consider it safe as long as it'll change my heart rate <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it this way Patricia ain't gonna try this I don't think I'm going to try it uh... however you can buy the candy online you can buy it in bulk and it's very reasonable Maybe because it'll change your heart rate <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and give you an arrhythmia. So, yeah. we have three questions. What was Fibber's reply to the man who wanted to buy birdseed because he raised canaries? Mm -hmm. Second question, the old-timer stopped in to buy hard candy, and he wanted anything that would make noise. So, when he and his girlfriend Bessie chewed it, why? What was, they, what was his reason for wanting noisy candy. And the third, how did Fibber negotiate a raise for Ed, which was $10 a week? 714-545-2071. Is it time for breakfast? It's time. It is almost time for breakfast. My goodness, yes, it's almost time for breakfast. So the breakfast crowd should be, <laughs> should be coming in pretty soon. And Patricia flipping the oatmeal over there in her skillet. Oh, I really like oatmeal. Yeah, I do, too. I don't know if you put it in the skillet. But... I know. I've been creative here. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had fried oatmeal. 
That's creative. Uh-huh. That's creative. I like eggs. I like bacon and ham and hash and potatoes and I can't have. <laughs> Not in great quantities anyway. Hello, you are on with the breakfast girl. Patricia. I can't believe she never heard of whole round candy. I know. I, I haven't either. Nobody heard of it except you. Oh, I can't be true. I mean, that stuff was everywhere when I was a kid. I never liked it, but a lot of people did, and I can't understand why, but uh, I mean, all the stores around here had it, and it just uh, it was a common thing when I was a kid. Well, my gosh, I really, I'm so impressed that you know what this is. What, what did it taste like? like? <laughs> as far as I was concerned, it was terrible. <laughs> Did it have a minty uh, flavor to it? No, 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 no. It had nothing to do with the taste of mint. Uh, I don't know of anything tasted like it. Uh, it tasted very medicine-y, if that's the term. Uh-huh. Um, I just, you know, some people just loved it. Uh, I guess it had a taste for it, but it never was me. Um, I, I didn't like it at all. But you ought to try it at least once. It's not going to do you any harm, but uh, I guess each his own, but that wasn't mine. Well, you're a great salesman for it. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But I will sell any to me because I didn't like it. You know, the, the name alone, I guess when it said it's in the mint family, I guess it meant like the plant family, not that it was... Oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt that, but you will never confuse it with mint. Let me assure you. I'll be darned. Well, no, I had never heard of it before. I did not know that herb existed. And uh, I'm just delighted that we've got somebody. I'm sorry you were punished by <laughs> Did you have to eat it? Or, or it uh, not really. Like if you had a sore throat or something, did somebody say you have to eat it? Uh, no, they used a lot of stuff like that when I was a kid, yes. Um, they'll make you eat it because of that. But I don't know that I ever thought it did any good. That's just my opinion, though. I don't know. When when it comes up with all of these warnings that, uh, you know, actually licorice will give you an irregular heartbeat if you eat too much licorice. So I'm not... That either, uh, but I never cared for licorice either. Yeah, it's it's one of those you have to develop a taste for. So how are you? Overslap and my cell phone's not too long. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. And are you waking up or going to bed? Well, I'm trying to wake up. Okay. Is this your normal time for getting up? Oh, no, I'm about an hour, a little over an hour late. But the this day was a long day. An hour late. <laughs> this is too much. And we're in the same time zone, aren't we? Yes, ma'am. We're in the eastern time zone. Okay, so you normally get up like 4 o'clock or 4.30? No, it's usually anywhere from quarter to under 4 o'clock. Oh, my just... word. Is your, is your brain in gear? Would you like to play trivia? Well, that's all right, but I heard your questions, and I don't have an answer for either one of them, so... Oh, I have... Oh, okay, well, I've got three questions. Did you hear the show? I only heard the last few minutes, so uh, it's about 5 o'clock. 
The last one, um, well, if you heard the last part of the show, how did Fibber get the raise for Ed? What did he promise to do? Yeah, those three you had, uh, I didn't have a clue. You did not have a clue. Okay, then we'll go to our regular trivia. Yes? Now, I might be able to do something with that. <laughs> okay. Are you, um, are you okay on Westerns and Cowboys? Uh, a lot of them. A lot of them. Okay, let's see what we got here. Okay, when in the sidekicks department, Pancho was the sidekick to a cowboy. Who was the cowboy? Oh, that was just a kid. That's obvious. Well, okay. Well, in that case, then maybe you'd want another one? That's fine. Okay, Doc Adams. Now, I want to know that one, but right at the moment, it will not come to me. Oh, good. I got you on one then. But you got the one. Um, I thanked you. I don't know if you were listening earlier, but I thanked you for uh, asking for the World War II music. Because Ralph I and Ka hmm? didn't hear that. Oh, you did hear that. I did. I did not. Did not. I'm sorry. I'm, my ears aren't working well tonight. Ralph in California asked for the music because it was, of course, in my files. I had gotten it when you asked for it, and he said it's great. So now two of you are enjoying it, and I wouldn't have had it unless you had asked for it. Well, that's good. I meant to make a comment that. Um, I guess Walden played it. It was a rerun, obviously. Um, was it last week or week before? I guess it must have been Friday night. I got the tail end of that the next morning. On um, um, Kitty Cowan. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was great. I had a Kitty Cowan interview, yeah. It was your first interview, wasn't it, Walden? The very first one over 10 years ago, so that's why I played that. Yeah, I noticed it was a very beginning thing, but uh -huh. uh, it was great. Well, I appreciate that. I was, I was right there. Well, she's a very special lady. She lives full-time in Mexico now. But, uh, but, uh, definitely dear to my heart. So I'm glad, I'm glad I got a chance to get pulled that one out and rerun the thing. Uh, yeah, I'm sure glad of that. Yeah. Well, did you, you're also responsible for a future guest. Now, did you hear Patricia giving you credit for that? No. Oh, gosh. Oh, do you have credits all over the place yep. tonight? And do not hang up. Money in it? Pardon? Is there any money in it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is strictly sharing and feeling good about volunteering all of your ideas that other people can benefit from. Does that wow you? Sorry? You're, oh, you're wowed. Okay, this is good. Right. You, all right, here we go. This is a domino type thing. You asked for the theme song for um, Paladin, for Have Gun, Will Travel, yep. the radio show. Yep. Yep. And I asked Bob Bro, who is one of our DJs, if he had it. And, of course, he did, and I forwarded that to you. But what he also sent was the theme song to the television show. And I, I don't know if you've heard that one as Paladin. Oh, yeah, I like that, too. I just didn't want it for what I was doing with it, but I think it's great. And, um, oh, Dwayne Eddy? No, it's... Good version of it, too. Oh, that's right, he did. I heard that one as well. But this is Johnny Western, who wrote the song and 
played it. I, he, he sang it. The, the person who sings the actual uh, theme that was played on Have Done Will Travel on television, right. written and performed by the same person, Johnny Western. And I've listened to this at different times since Bob sent it to me, and I thought, you know, we've, we just never thank people for giving us such wonderful gifts of their voices, their writing, their, just all of these wonderful things that we wind up enjoying. They don't hear a thank you. So I dug around. It took me an afternoon to do this, but I finally found a way to get in touch with Johnny Western and simply said thank you for such wonderful sounds. It would be really neat if you wrote back, but it didn't make any difference. I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate your music and, in particular, the ballad, the, uh, ballad of Paladin. And he wrote back and said, gosh, that's really cool. Thank you so much. And I wrote back and said, I think I missed an opportunity here. Would you be our guest one night for an interview on the show? And he wrote back today and said, that would be fun. So you are responsible for having started this chain reaction that wound up with a wonderful guest who will be spending some time with us. Uh, I hope I can hear that. I had a copy of, of you know, Dwayne Eddy's uh, instrumental version of that thing, but I, I've heard the one you're talking about quite a few times, but huh? I never had a copy of it. Would you like I it? I thought it was great. It's wonderful, and the copy that Bob sent to me is just so crystal clear. Would you like a copy of it? I certainly would. Well, it would be my pleasure to forward it and share it with you. Okay. I'd love to have a copy of that. Okay. Paladin, you have. Can get, um, get up and around to, to hear the interview. Say that again, please. If you can. I hope I can get up and around to hear the interview. Hear the interview. Have it. Oh, I hope so. Um, it'll whichever night he picks, it will be a 10:30 night. So I hope you'll be able to do that. Um, but it, Walden, you'll be recording it, won't you? Yep, yep. We should be able eventually by then. I should be able to have a digital file. And I can email that to you, Patricia. So we should be able to get this done. Oh, that, that would be great. Yeah. And, and, and well. Uploading. Well, you you and the guys will figure well, out. Well, yeah. What I'm gonna do? I'm gonna have you sign up with Dropbox. That way, I can. Sh I, we don't have to upload or download or just change automatically. That and th that's what I was asking about yeah. with the Dropbox uh -huh. files will be much too large to uh, to email. But one way or another, I would. We will get that show to you if you miss it, and it should be really neat. He spent a great deal of time with um, Gene Autry. He has a great story about how he met Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Um, he has done composing and performing. He's got several DVD, uh, CDs and I guess a couple of DVDs out as well. And he's, he's just such a neat person to talk with and listen to. So I think it's going to be a great time. And, of course, Paladin is my 